This is the Barbecue Central Radio Show, which is recorded live each Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Radio Show is being brought to you by The Barbecue Guru, the original creators of automatic temperature control devices, now offering four different models for you to choose from. Rest easy knowing that The Barbecue Guru is controlling your temperature so you can get on with your life. Visit bbqguru.com or call 800-288-GURU for more information. And by Fred's Music and Tasty Licks BBQ Supply, your online barbecue and grilling superstore. From cookers to grills, wood chips and chunks, and everything in between, also be sure to try the Tasty Licks barbecue brand of rubs and sauces. Check Fred out online at tastylicksbbq.com. And by Stephen DeFranco Jewelers. Located in beautiful Willoughby, Ohio, Stephen DeFranco Jewelers is a family-owned and operated business looking to service the great folks of the barbecue and grilling world. Get free shipping and big discounts by mentioning my name and the term Barbecue Brother. Check out their inventory by visiting stephendefranco.com. And by Butcher Barbecue, with 30 years of experience in retail, wholesale, meat markets, food service, and customer service. Using that experience, everything they do and sell at Butcher's Barbecue comes from real-world knowledge. Check out their award-winning spices, sauces, marinades, and injections by visiting ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. And by Green Mountain Grills. Discover something you'll really, really love, grilling with pellets. Green Mountain Pellet Grills are the top of the line, best of the best, but not the highest in price. And be sure to check out all of their flavor rubs, sauces, and pellets for the Green Mountain Grill all on their website. Visit GreenMountainGrills.com to peruse the entire product's portfolio. And buy Barbecuer's Delight Wood Pellets. Two-thirds oak, one-third flavor wood, giving you that perfect combination of BTU burn and sweet, succulent smoke you're looking to get all over your meat. A wide variety of flavors, so please go to the website to check it out and get yours today. Barbecuer's Delight, which is bbqrsdelight.com. Hey, what's up? This is JM, host of the Celebrity Grill Podcast on iTunes. And you're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Network. All barbecue and grilling, all the time. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Good evening and welcome to the really big barbecue central show. Oh yeah, this is the show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. Broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. Rapidly becoming known as the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard on your Tuesday live outdoor cooking and grilling show. Two ways to get in touch with me if you want to. Toll free, 877-448-0433. You can also email the show if you want to. Greg at 
thebbqcentralshow.com. There's two ways to get in touch with me. Everything else about the show can be found at thebbqcentralshow.com. That's the website. Hit it up. You can also sign up for the newsletter so you can find out exactly what's going to be happening Oh, roughly six to, well, five to six hours in advance of just tuning into the show and seeing what the hell I've put together from scratch. Here's what's happening. 14 past the hour. Everybody loves the roundtables on the show, right? It's one of the most uh, thing. It's, it's uh, one of the most uh, emailed things that I get in the inbox is love the roundtables, more roundtables, always more roundtables. So I thought I would do that, but it's going to be a little bit different twist tonight. We're not necessarily talking about how to prep chicken or pork butter brisket or ribs from start to finish with some of the top pitmasters in the industry. We're going to have a Kingsford Invitational post-mortem with a number of web bloggers and internet luminaries and so forth, uh, kind of breaking down the inner workings of the inaugural event that took place uh, just this past weekend. Uh, The likely candidates will be Meathead, of course, Robin Lindars, Grill Girl, John Dawson, Patio Daddio BBQ, Derek Riches, bbq.about.com, and Chris Grove from nibblebeanthis.com. I, of course, will uh, be moderating, giving my two cents as well. So that's coming up at 14 past 35 past the hour. Uh, a little bit more with Just Meathead. We'll be talking about uh, lump charcoal and briquette charcoal, combustion, all that good stuff. Then we'll move to the second hour. 1014 finds Melissa Cookston of Yazoo's Delta Q coming in and recounting her win at the Kingsford Invitational Championship this past weekend. And then helping me close the show around 35 past 10, John Marcus, executive producer of Barbecue Pitmasters. And we'll be unveiling a new barbecue pitmasters season shortly so there you go 877-448-0433 greg at the bbq central survey tuesday questions who would you most like to hear on this very show leaving it up to you who would you most like to hear on the show question number two how are you cooking the turkey for thanksgiving frying it Oven, grill, smoker, combination of both, none of the above. Maybe you're cooking quiche. You tell me. How you cooking your turkey for Thanksgiving? Question number three. Going to get a lot of answers on this. What's your favorite Thanksgiving side dish? We're going to have a lot of Thanksgiving talk next week uh, with my guest, who I'll reveal next hour. But what's your favorite Thanksgiving side dish? Hey, do me a favor right now. Everyone that's listening, send an email or make a Facebook post or a Twitter post telling folks you're listening to the show right now. And let's see if we can't crash Kevin's servers. Tell them to go to OutdoorCookingChannel.com and then click on the uh, Watch Now button and see if we can't really put Kevin in a world of hurt. And to that end, especially for the audio folks only, And I know some of you are in a car, you're at work, and you don't have access to the computer. But if you're listening, especially on podcast, and you didn't know the show runs live, or maybe you knew it run live and you just didn't want to suffer through the audio, and you want to see video, maybe I haven't done good enough bringing it across. You can watch this show live as it happens every Tuesday on the video side. It's come to my attention that maybe I'm not doing a good enough job of letting you guys know that uh, on various ways that you can consume the show. Did you know you can watch the show live? It's true. All you need to do is head over to OutdoorCookingChannel.com 
and join in the fun. There's a chat room in there as well. You can take part in that. Typically, that is sometimes on point with what I'm talking about. Other times, it has nothing to do with the show whatsoever. It's kind of like a show within the show. But OutdoorCookingChannel.com is a place you can go to find the show live. Uh, iTuners, podcasters, get the show live in the video form if you want to. It's just that easy. So one favor, email everybody that you know and tell them the show's on right now and include the link, OutdoorCookingChannel.com or Twitter it or Facebook it. And then it, for those that didn't know that there was a video aspect to it, boom, there it is. You can watch it live uh, every Tuesday. Right, here's, a near, uh, here's an email that I got from one Dan Hickson from Three Eyes Barbecue. Reads a little something like this. So my car battery dies this morning. The AAA guy shows up and immediately asks me what the story is about my license plate, which is P-I-T-M-S-T-R. Not Pitmister. <laughs> Pitmaster. I tell him I compete in competition barbecue. He asks what team. I say three eyes. He says, no shit. I was just listening to you on Greg Rempe's radio show. I can't make this stuff up. Dan Hickson, Three Eyes Barbecue. So when I wrote back to Dan, I said, you got to be kidding me. Had a great weekend. This story just puts it over the top. What's this guy's name? So Jason, the guy that helped Dan Hickson with his battery. What's up, buddy? Thanks for listening. Appreciate you. Thanks for checking me out. Another email, Diane Mee, Everett, Washington. Greg, greetings from the North Left Coast. Last Saturday, the Pacific Northwest Barbecue Association held their 2012 award banquet for the second year in a row, Wine Country Q was crowned Team of the Year. They earned four grand championships this year, as well as one reserve. John and Ronan McGee of Duval, Washington, are two of the most exemplary people in barbecue, as they both have been there for me this year during one of the most challenging times in my life. They're truly barbecue brothers and sisters in every sense of the word. I wish to congratulate them on their back-to-back Team of the Year titles, and I look forward to competing them uh, with them again next year. Thanks, Diane Me Lake House Barbecue. Everett Washington, big fan of the show, by the way. Diane, always in the chat room, hanging out. Maybe not tonight. But congratulations to Wine County Q and the Pacific Northwest Barbecue Association for their uh, not one, but two Team of the Year titles in the Pacific Northwest. Regardless, kind of a feat. Pardon me. Um, so <clears throat> you might have found through my Facebook and uh, through some of the Twitter posts and whatnot that uh, I was live and in person at that Kingsford Invitational that took place this past weekend. Uh, initially flown into St. Louis, but then we trucked out two hours southwest, uh, which is typically three miles outside the uh, middle of nowhere in <laughs> Bell, Missouri. And we got to watch the whole contest unfold and it was it was a great time, and I, I just want to thank at this time uh, Kingsford uh, for allowing me or inviting me to go out and take part in that inaugural event. And I got to meet really a, a ton of people that I have interviewed uh, some you know one time, some a number of times. There were eight teams out there, but to be able to meet. Uh, the likes of, of the regular people that I have here on my show, the Meatheads, uh, Robin, John, Derek, um, uh, Chris Grove, uh, fabulous to meet people in person, finally. And then, of course, uh, Clinton Cantwell from Smoke and I got to meet him. Oof. He's something now. That guy can win money. That's all I know. 
so it was absolutely a wonderful experience to hang with those guys, get to know them a little bit more on a personal level, and then actually take in a competition that is kind of getting off the ground, an inaugural event, something that's trying to, to kind of put their stamp on crowning an overall barbecue champion of the many great contests that take place during the course of the year, uh, meeting a lot of great people from current, uh, like Spencer. Uh, really appreciate him. I dealt with him the most. Uh, also with Tab and then on the Kingsford side, Nick and Charles and Ellen, uh, all great people that uh, you know actually kind of spent some time with me talking about the show and about their brand and all that good stuff. Uh, so really just honored and humbled to be able to, A, be invited and then uh, kind of take in that event. Um, but, you know, certainly for me, the highlight was getting to meet a lot of those teams that I've had on this show. Uh, all but one uh, didn't have smoke and triggers on this year after they won Barbecue Pitmasters, uh, but had all of the other teams that were there. Smokers Purgatory, Lucky's Q, Pigskin Barbecue, Yazoo's Delta Q, Smokers Purgatory, Motley Q Crew. All superior people, just as good as you think they would be. Uh, you know, they're, they're great on the show, but they're great in person as well. So uh, thanks again to Kingsford and Current for having me out there. Love to do that again. All right, gang, before we get to the post, uh, post-mortem Kingsford Invitational Roundtable coming up in just a minute, let me tell you quickly about Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply. Look, I tell you all the time, there's unsavory businesses and creeping marauders at each and every turn on the Internet. I think we can all agree on that. But sometimes you're looking for a barbecue or grilling item that just isn't stocked anywhere in your hometown or the next town over or the next town over from that. Your options have become limited and now you're forced to go online and buy that item or you're just going to have to go without it. Who wants that? So the Internet grip starts to set in. The hands start to sweat. Your neck tightens. You've been screwed on the Internet purchases before and, quite frankly, just don't want it to happen again. After all, this is your hard-earned money we're spending here, and you need to feel confident that the company you're buying from is honest and fair. And that's why I say great news, folks. Let Fred Bernardo and the gang over at Tasty Licks Barbecue relieve you of your Internet buying stresses. Tasty Licks has one of the most complete inventories of barbecue and grilling items anywhere on the face of the earth. All the items that you see on the website, in stock, ready to ship to you directly. Now, look, are there other places on the Internet you might be able to find some items cheaper, perhaps? But are you 100% confident that you're actually going to get the item that you buy? How long is it going to take for it to get to you? All great questions that no one can answer with 100% assurity. That's why when you buy from Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply, the items are there in the store. They ship to you promptly. Everything in the store priced fairly. Help. You want to call and try and work out some special deal, Willie, with Fred? I'm sure he'll be happy to take your call. He's a businessman, willing to work things out if need be. And Tasty Licks carries grills, smokers, ceramic cookers, electric cookers, various charcoal types, wood chunks, chips, cookbooks, accessories. If they don't have it, you don't need it. And on top of all of that, Fred carries many other show sponsors in his store as well. So you're almost doing like this two-for-one thing. You're shopping at a sponsor and you're buying sponsors' products. It's the best of both worlds. And they have their own line of rubs and sauces as well that you should try. So here's what we do. We head on over to TastyLicksBBQ.com and we let the confidence exude from our very fingers as we make our online purchases. And then we enjoy the items upon delivery. And don't forget that Fred and the gang are there to help you after the sale as well. Can't beat it. TastyLicksBBQ.com. That's TastyLicksBBQ.com. With luck on my side, a multi-person roundtable with pictures and video. And video and pictures could take place in just a few short seconds. 
You are listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central radio networks. Stick around. We'll be right back. Live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Here on this part of the show. All right. Let's see if this thing is actually going to work. Uh, what did I name this group? There we go. Want to mention Surfing Sapo is in. Sapo, what's up, brother? I love Sapo. Who doesn't love a Sapo? Surfing Sapo, right? Here we go. We're uh, getting in some people, other things are calling, some people, blah, 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 cancel. There's Meathead, and there's Derek. Uh, Robin, you're on there too, yeah? Yep, you got me. All right, uh, but evidently you don't have uh, Skype 5.0 or higher, so we can't see you. Oh. Uh, Chris Grove is in. John's in. John Dawson. Chris, are you in? Yeah, I'm in. Can you oh, hear me? I can. So let me see if I can do this properly. Well, nobody needs to see me. That's something I've learned a long time ago. So let me get my picture out, and then we can get the rest of the guys here on the video side. Bigger. There we go. All right, so All here I we go. All I need to do is download Skype 5.0. I thought I already did that. Well, don't worry about it. Sorry, we can see uh, we can see the picture with you of a liquor bottle or whatever that is. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's a barbecue sauce bottle. It says second place on it, so maybe it's even a trophy. Look, it's a, it's a liquor bottle trophy. Good. Best of both worlds. Look, this past week, in a very unique event came off in Bell, Missouri. Kingsford tossed its hat into the ring of putting together and hosting a competition that would crown a true barbecue champion at the end of the year, dubbed the Super Bowl of Barbecue. The 2012 Kingsford invitation was unveiled to the general public, uh, mostly through social media, and to select uh, and to a select few teams and media types who got to experience this event live and in person and helping me break down the finer points of this event were attendee. Well, were these attendees? So let's welcome Meathead, Derek Riches, John Dawson, Robin Lindars, and Chris Grove. All right, gang, here we go. Thanks for joining me tonight to kind of do a post mortem segment on the KFI. Uh, we'll try to keep these answers kind of uh, rapid, if possible. I know for Meathead that might be tough. Uh, but let's see what we can do here. Uh, first item up for bid. Uh, and Meathead, we will start with you. Just kind of that overall impression of the weekend, um, the accommodations, uh, the event itself, and you know, kind of sum it all up for us. Um, pretty darn good first time effort. Um, I think they got some room to grow. Uh, the uh, 
Only complaint I could find is that there was a video crew there, and they kind of got in the way sometimes. But um, the judging panel was just great. We hit it off great. Uh, had a lot of fun. The food was fabulous. Um, hanging with uh, the Centralites was the highlight for me, meeting you finally face-to-face. <laughs> um, and the rest of the gang. Um, I think they're, they got something here. Um, they're going to have to come to grips with what happens next year if it rains or snows because first week or second week in November can be pretty hazardous in central Missouri. Absolutely. Derek, uh, your thoughts overall? Um, well, you know, Kingford knows how to throw the money around. They know how to throw a big event. Um, and, uh, you know, the thing that is, I'm still trying to decide whether I thought this was a really good barbecue event or really arrogant kind of on the part of Kingsford. Uh, arrogant in what way, Derek? Well, you know, they've got the cash. They hold an event which isn't open to the public. They invite the winners of at least four competitions that are themselves billed as the world championships plus four other competitions. Right. And then they say this is the Kingsford you know, world championship of barbecue. So, um, I don't know. I, I guess it all seemed very choreographed and, and very structured. And I, and I know that a lot of that has to do with the fact that they had a film crew there and that, you know, they wanted to create a narrative for that. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I'm still not sure how I feel about it. Robin, your thoughts overall? I thought it was, you know, I'd say if you are a company that makes charcoal, then sponsoring and putting on um, a barbecue event is a smart thing to do. And uh, I, you know, I think it was a, I thought it was a good event because I do think, you know, that there are a lot of events that go on around the country and, and they all do claim to kind of be the best of the best. And this competition took all of the winners of those and put them together. And I think it's a pretty good idea. Um I, I kind of feel the same way about Meathead. I think we really lucked out having good weather. Um, I think it could have been really cold, and I guess that's kind of the uh, the, the catch-22 when you're trying to get all of the, the winners of festivals from earlier on in the year is that, you know, where are you going to have a barbecue competition in November where it's not going to be chilly and, you know, kind of centrally located for most people in the U.S.? Um, so, But, no, I was impressed. Um, it was, you know, I mean, I think it has to be choreographed if you're going to film it. I mean, Kingford, Kingsford's going to be smart. You might as well get as much bang for your buck. I mean, you've got all these other people doing things on Destination America. So, um, yeah, I mean, any event for the first time, I'd say they did an excellent job, and I'm sure it will continue to kind of progress and, and change as, as it goes on in, in future years. Last to weigh in, John Dawson of PatioDaddyOBBQ.com. Your, your summations, John. Well, I thought the accommodations were great. I mean, uh, like, Eric said Kingsford knows how to run an event, as do the current people at Current, their PR firm. Um, they've been putting you up in the four seasons, and then they they spare no no comforts. They have lots of goodie bags, lots of lots of nice little things like that to, that make it nice. I will say that it paled a little bit in comparison to last year's Kingsford University, in that it was a lot less hands on. It was clearly a lot more about the competition than it was about a Kingsford University kind of educational event. But having said that, I really enjoyed the tour of Anheuser-Busch Brewery and uh, also the Kingsford plant. I mean, um, so in that sense, it was very educational. It just wasn't as cooking-oriented as for the for the guests. 
us being the guests as it was about the teams, which when you're filming the show, that's how it needs to be. So it was, it was also kind of neat to see to see how television's made, although it's a little bit like watching legislation and sausage being made. You really don't want to see what goes on behind the scenes. But uh, overall, I had a great time, and, and I'll echo what uh, Mead had said. For me, the best part is just getting to hang out with good barbecue peeps. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I dug it. I meant to say, uh, weighing in last is Chris Grove from nibbledmethis.com. Go ahead, Chris, your uh, your summatory thoughts. Um, I think for uh, a first year, they did wonderful. I think there's a lot of positive to take away from this, and I think they can build on it next year. Um, oh. And we got to hang up on Chris. Wow. Wow. Uh, Chris, if you're listening, call back in. I'll uh, add you to the group. That was crazy. I think I just lost my right ear altogether. Um, all right, so I, I guess everybody is more or less in conclusion. Uh, let me go back and follow up with you, Derek, since I guess you could uh, be kind of the considered to be the poo-pooer thing. <laughs> the pooper. Yeah, so, I mean, I understand what you're saying about everybody's billing themselves as world championships. You've had all these other ones. Uh, to Robin's point, this was taking the winners of all of those bigger competitions. Is there a way to make it a, a less perceivably arrogant contest in your estimation? Uh, first of all, I prefer the name Devil's Advocate. So you don't like uh, you don't like two <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Devil's Advocate, as you will. <clears throat> well. You know, no, I mean, I, I think that I think they structured the event really well. I think that it was judged well um, from from what I was able to see. Um, there you go, Craig. Um, you know, from that kind of structure. But, you know, honestly, who's to say Budweiser or Coca-Cola or Burger King can't turn around and say, hey, you know what, we're going to invite those champions and yours, and we're going to have a world championship. <laughs> you know, I mean... It, it, well, Honestly, of course, I would think that Budweiser could hold a Super Bowl, Super Bowl World Championship of Barbecue, invite all of the previous year's winners from twenty competitions, and give them a quarter of a million dollar cash prize. It's just because you have the money to throw at it. I, I guess you know it is the first year. You know you can't really say whether or not it's legitimate, but um, I don't know. I, I guess I kind of come away from from it feeling just. Uh, a little too orchestrated, I guess. All right, let me ask this question, and uh, we'll move off the topic. Harry Sue made a point during the regional talk of barbecue. I was kind of hanging out with the team, so I missed 95%. Uh, but after the fact, he went on to, to kind of uh, expound on his new chicken method, specifically coloring the chicken. And he talked about using tang initially on the chicken, uh, to get this color, I don't know if everybody else uh, was privy to that conversation. Uh, Chris, you're uh, you know you're a cook, you're a blogger, uh, you've been around some competitions. What did you think initially of hearing Harry talk about Tang? Wow, Chris, you got some audio problems. Uh, can He's I? John, uh, in Knoxville. I don't, I don't think they have the internet in Knoxville. Uh, that's a microphone issue. John, uh, John, what did you think? You're a competition cook from time to time. Well, you know what? I was immediately taken aback. I didn't hear. I heard him mention NASA and then orange, and I didn't catch the tang word. And, of course, that would be the second to last thing that popped into my mind. So I pulled him aside outside and had him kind of walk through how he does all that. 
and uh, the dude is a machine. I mean, when he talks about a 12-cylinder engine and tuning every cylinder, he kind of threw that out there as a line, but as he broke it down, he talked about it being like Legos in that day. He was working on the color Lego block for his chicken, and I'm like, out of all the things that you could think to enhance your color, you know, it's not paprika, it's not anything we would normally think of. I'm like, how in the world do you land on Tang? And that's just, that kind of gives you a window into the brain of Harry Sue, how only he would be thinking about Tang for color. So it was just, it was pretty amazing, and I asked him if it messes with his, co- his uh, flavor profile. He said no, and uh, apparently he's teaching it far and wide, so I guess there's a bunch of other Tang groupies out there that are doing the Tang chicken, or the chicken <laughs> tango, or whatever you want to call it. Robin, what did you think about the, the, the Tang on chicken? Did you ask me? Yes. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, I think it's going to be like the, the urban legend, kind of like Myron Vixen and the, the muffin tin or whatever. I think people are going to, like, go crazy with it now that we're talking about it. Um, you know, uh, I think it'll work for him. Will it work for everyone else? It will be interesting to see. But it does show you how methodical he is. I mean, he was clearly working on, you know, um, like you guys were saying, flavor profiles and then color profiles and and that's what you know he's won chicken like a gazillion times so it's obviously working for him so um it will be interesting to see who else tries it and if it works for them derek your thoughts on tangy chicken well you know i mean if it works for him it works for him i guess you know um it's competition barbecue. You're trying to create that ex- that exact point of what the judges are going to say is barbecue is great barbecue, and if you know it changes what gets you there or you know anything else, and then I can see people trying it out. Um, um, it, it seems strange, but uh, I can see it. Can, but that works. It would probably work quite well. Meathead, weigh in. Um. It's done for appearance, and um, we put parsley in the box, or you guys, I don't compete, put parsley and all kinds of other stuff in the box. It, um, appearance is a, 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 mar- a large part of the score in most competitions. Not this one, and we can talk about that later. But um, I think Harry said right now he's number one in the nation in chicken. Yeah. So um, uh, hard to argue with success. Let's not forget that a lot of folks still use liquid margarine in competition cooking. Competition barbecue is as far removed from traditional, historic Southern barbecue as is Korean barbecue. It's become its own genre, and um, everything goes. With 50 grand on the line, why not? Absolutely. Um, let's talk about the, if we can briefly, the, the overall domination of Yazoo's Delta Q. If we're relating it to sports, and we'll go to Derek first for his opinion here, do you think this is equivalent to like a, a Giants smackdown of the Tigers in the World Series? Uh, Meathead and Tuffy both. Greg, to- yeah, go ahead. Let's, let's review here, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong. Um, they had a one-bite contest, which was on Saturday, and it was supposed to be small, little one-bite type things. Yeah. Yazoo Delta Q won that. Right. Then they had the traditional four meats. Um, Yazoo Delta Q, I believe they won ribs, yes. pork, yes. and brisket. Correct. 
The only one they didn't win was chicken. I don't know where they placed. So that's pretty close to a hat trick or, well, it's more than three. It's a sweep, almost a sweep. Pretty remarkable performance. Now, I know you're going to bring up uh, the uh, pork issue, and we can talk about that later. But I think that um, Melissa, whom a lot of people think to be a great cook, me among them, uh, really strutted her stuff. Derek, uh, what did you think of the overall, you know, now domination of Yazoo's in that particular setting and event? Uh, you know, Melissa has a tremendous reputation, and um, I guess it's a little surprising that that she did that well. Um, but uh, you know, I, I guess if you're if you're on, you're on. Um, the one thing I'd like to you know, the point I was, you know, the one by challenge actually took place on Friday and that right. was awarded that night right. with the, you know, extra point going in. So, you know, I think there might be a psychological factor there. It's kind of like saying, hey, you know what, we're kind of already a point up and everyone else saying they're going, well, we're kind of a point behind in all, this whole thing. And as a winner takes all sort of scenario, it, it I think it can uh, it can change the stress levels a certain amount. Robin, uh, were you impressed with how dominant Yazoo's Delta Q came across with the other seven competitors, healthy competitors in their own right. Yeah, I mean, you know, I wish I had betted on it. We made a joke about that at the table, I believe. And I had actually said, well, I'm going to put my money on Melissa if we were going to throw some money to it. And then she really kicked serious ass. So, um, But I really did think it was going to be a little closer. I mean, I, I was highly surprised that she won, you know, three out of the four major categories. And then also the small bites. I mean, she really, like me, I said, like the royal flush, you know. Um, but, you know, it makes me it makes me kind of wonder, you know, how, you know, like she won Memphis in May, how that compares to and in, in how difficult the competitions are to the other ones that were, you know, kind of represented there. Or is was it just kind of, you know, she had her game face on and she – came out there to win and she did so um you know but either way i'm really excited for her i gotta give a shout out to her because she's she's a woman in barbecue and she's really kicking some serious butt. john uh, would you like to weigh in on what many perceive to be a fairly dominant performance this past weekend by yazoo's uh i will just suffice to say that i told you on the bus friday night that she uh, would win and she did <laughs> all right so i called it I'm not yeah, no, no, seriously, the, the only thing, and, and I'll allude to what uh, Meathead mentioned earlier, is the fourth thing kind of bugs me a little bit. I, it's not her fault. Matter of fact, it's not anybody's fault. It's just the way it shook out this year that she was the only whole hog cooker there. But other, aside from that, I really had a gut feel that she was going to come in and just rule the day, and she did. Now, did I think she was going to win three out of four categories? No. But uh, one other complaint I would have is that the fact that they didn't announce anything but the category winners and the, the, the number one grand champion, it would have been nice to hear, you know, how it all shook out, like at least do the top three. But, you know, that's water under the bridge at this point. So, Meathead, were you looking for a I'm quick not... follow-up there? Yeah, um, I've heard some grumbling. I've talked to a few people since. Um, on her team was her husband, who's usually on her team. Pete, yep. And also her business partner. John Wheeler. Uh, John Wheeler, who owns uh, with her some restaurants. But John also uh, has his own cooking team. He's um, Natural Born uh, Griller. Natural Born Grillers. And uh, I heard some complaints about the fact that he's not normally on her team. In fact, he's rarely on our team. And that he might have been a ringer 
uh, brought in, and that was an unfair advantage. You mean a river? Um, pardon me? You mean a river? A river, yes. A river. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the other issue was um, the uh, point that's been brought up that uh, she cooked whole hog. Uh, all the other cooks cooked uh, butt. Um, and uh, there was some wonderful tasting meat there. But it was clear uh, from the eight samples on the plate in front of me uh, as a judge that one of them was a whole hog. And um, that made that particular entry non-blind. I knew when I saw a whole hog, it was Melissa. And as I try to be non-partial, um, fortunately, I didn't do what uh, Dawson did and predict her the winger because then I would have had to vote at number one. Actually, I think I voted at number two or three, uh, but it was very close to the top and only a point or so removed. So I'm sure my score helped her more than hurt her. Um, it's an issue, and uh, uh, I think that something needs to be discussed next year about allowing um, more than just either shoulder or whole hog allowing other cooks to cook loin or tenderloin or other cuts of meat if they so desire and turn them in so that looking at the plate of eight entries, it's not so obvious who is who. All right. Uh, we're talking with Meathead Goldwyn, <laughs> Grill Girl Robin Lindars, Derek Riches from BBQ.About.com, John Dawson from Patio Daddio, BBQ.com, breaking down the Kingsford Invitational Tournament took, pl- uh, took place just this past weekend. All right, so do this. Uh, everybody put their microphone on mute. I'm going to go pay a quick bill here with uh, the good folks over at the Barbecue Guru, and then we'll come back and uh, finish this out. Quickly, folks, if you're thinking about automatic pit temperature control devices, you really only need to work and look in one place. It's Barbecue Guru. They're the creators of this technology. They started it all. So why would you buy from any other company in the world? I don't know. You tell me. Now, maybe you're not familiar with how these little beauties work. I'm not going to get into the minutia, but imagine a product that allows you to set a pit temperature in one set. It keeps it running all day long, all the way through the cook. Sounds too good to be true. It's not. This is real life. It's happening right here, right now, each and every day. So maybe you're a busy working professional like me, or maybe you're constantly on the run with kids doing errands. Quite frankly, you just don't have the time to set around and tend a pit. I understand. Barbecue Guru allows you to throw a pork butt or a brisket or a couple slabs of ribs on, and then you're just off to do whatever it is you need to get done, and the Barbecue Guru maintains the pit temperature you set it at. It's easy. There's currently a number of different models to choose from. Most popular one right now, the CyberQ Wi-Fi. Look, in this age of technology, if you own a smartphone, if you have a tablet, you have a netbook, you have a laptop computer, you have some connection to the Internet, you would actually be able to go on through your particular device and see where your pit temperature is at to see where your internal meat temperature is at. Cooking too fast, you can ramp that cooker down. Maybe you're running behind schedule, you can ramp it up. It's all right there on your wireless device, and that's the CyberQ Wi-Fi. You also have a CyberQ2. You have a DigiQ DX. You have that Party Q, which starts at 130 bucks and attaches to most bullet-style and ceramic-style cookers. And for 130 bucks, it runs on AA batteries, completely portable. It's one of the best things going out there right now. So here's what you need to do. You go over to the bbqguru.com and you check out all of the products. They have cookers as well, the Onyx oven. And then if you have any questions about that order, call them directly 800-288-GURU That's 800-288-GURU and they'll make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. That's 800-288-GURU or the bbqguru.com 
The barbecue guru, a breakthrough in barbecue technology. We'll step away for about two seconds. We'll come back and finish the Kingsford talk. Right after this, you're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central radio and maybe video networks. Smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Big B, Roundtable style, and uh, Craig. Uh, oh my God! I can't believe I just said that. I apologize. I meant Meathead. I meant, <laughs> I meant Meathead. Uh, I can tell you right now, we're not going to even get to uh, charcoal talk here. So we'll save that for next month if you would like. Sure. Uh, but we're having a lot of fun here, kind of recounting what happened this past weekend. Uh, we were just kind of talking about Yazoo's dominance. Uh, during the, the the weekend's competition, and of course, we were talking about that uh, whole hog category. People making suggestions. Um, if we could kind of transition out of that, um, and I think everybody can to some extent that you know the contest was good. It did pit very good teams against one another, and an overall yeah. winner was crowned. And there was a lot of money being thrown around. I mean, Yazoo's Delta Q walks out with fifty five grand poly. Not a bad weekend. I'll take it. I mean, I'll take Greg? the free trip. Yeah, go ahead. I, I should point out, as the judge, as one of the judges, yeah, um, it was a very, very difficult competition to judge because the quality was so high. We were using mostly the high end of the scale. Um, I uh, had a, a few below average scores, and Tuffy Stone told me later he did too. But I got a lot of grief for spreading my scores around the scale, and they were calling me the Russian judge. Um, uh, it was um, uh, really a, a difficult uh, competition to judge, uh, splitting hairs, um, and a lot of fun. Uh, it was uh, certainly the highest quality meat across the board, as you'd expect, that I've ever tasted in a competition. All right, guys, uh, we'll start with Robin here for this question. You know, as you look back and kind of recount your barbecue memories, and we'll go barbecue-related just now, uh, what's your favorite barbecue-related event or moment of the weekend, Robin? Well, I hope this counts, but <laughs> I found it really funny when our bus driver took a wrong turn and we all oh, ended up in a big Oh, <laughs> I-, I was ready to get off the bus. If she decided to do a U-turn in the middle of that highway, we were all going to die in a flaming wreck. Wait, you guys... But the best part was Brad Orson talking about the tater patch, and then we started talking about the pudding patch, and just oh, geez. I All right, think so it was the barbecue barbecue camaraderie. Um, you know, just getting to hang out with my barbecue peeps because I'd say, like, when I'm by myself hanging out with a normal set of people, I am by far and above when you get me started, kind of a barbecue geek. Once you know, so being around all you guys for a weekend was it was like my barbecue dork out fest. You know, um, it would be nice to be a fly on the wall and hear all the conversations going on about internal meat temps and um, grills and all kinds of crazy stuff. But I, for whatever reason, the, the crazy bus ride is what um, sticks out of my head. And, and Brad Orson just being himself and us talking about the, the tater patch, which is the bar that we 
Well, no, we never made it to, but it was fun to, to make fun of it anyway. Uh, Derek, favorite barbecue-related event or moment of the weekend? Oh, <clears throat> um, well, it was a specific moment, I think, when they started bringing out the leftovers from all of the competition teams. That was pretty good. I absolutely <clears throat> agree with that. It was really good. Uh, avoided food for several hours before that in anticipation. But, you know, I, I, I think I agree kind of with Robin in the fact that, you know, you, you just kind of get to spend the weekend hanging out with some really, you know, great barbecue people who really know their stuff and, and just kind of listening to the conversations that were going on. Um, uh, that in itself was just very educational. Uh, Meathead, favorite barbecue-related moment of the weekend? Um, the seven judges were separated from uh, the uh, media and uh, put on a separate bus from St. Louis to Bell, Missouri, which is about two and a half hours southwest of St. Louis, which is where the competition site was. Oh. And um, that uh, small bus, uh, which had uh, Brad Orison from The Shed, uh, Amy Mills, um, Artie Davis, a.k.a. Remus Powers, um, uh, Tuffy Stone, um, who am I missing? Help me. Um, Daddy O. Oh, uh, no, he wasn't the judge. Um, uh, no, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Harry Sue. Um, all on a bus together discussing judging barbecue and how it's done. Um, I was responsible for a, a, a vi- for a, a different kind of scoring system we used and the, how that scoring system would be used and what's right and what's wrong with scoring systems. That was really a, a very high-level, intellectually stimulating uh, conversation and a lot of laughs. Brad, uh, Brad Orison is one fun guy to be with. Oh, I think we can all agree on that. Uh, no doubt about it. on TV show. Absolutely. Get a, get a uh, reality show with Brad uh, ASAP. Uh, all right, let's go back. Uh, Robin, I, I'm guessing your favorite barbecue and non-barbecue-related moment are, are probably going to be the busing. Was there any other non-barbecue thing that happened that is standing out in your mind right now? Um, you know what I thought was really cute, and I got some really cute photos. I, I liked the setting of the, the event on the farm, and, um, you know, it was just kind of cool. You're out in the middle of nowhere across the street from the Kingsford, the, the charcoal plant, and you've got all these, like, you know, chickens running around, and you've got the dogs running around and i just thought it was really cute you know there was those little puppies running around the the um competition eating all the the leftovers that like melissa was dropping and then you had that one cute little beagle that just snuggled up inside our tent like right on top of the bag of charcoal and i just thought it was the setting was idyllic and just what i thought perfect for a barbecue competition for whatever reason it just it's like a big warm fuzzy memory you know just it, it was just um it was really quaint and and very norman rockwell-ish if you will derek favorite non-barbecue related event that happened over the course of the weekend uh the wind maybe oh well, that would be a not favorite right um, no <laughs> that was some wind now uh, no, I don't know. I, I, I like this, you know, I like Robin, I like the setting. I would say that, uh, someplace less remote in the future might be, uh, might be beneficial. Um, I don't know that, 
I guess I don't, I don't know. It's, you know, you got in, checked into the hotel. I went and grabbed a sandwich. I came back, ran into Meathead in the bar, and the next thing I know, there's like 20 of us kind of in the bar, just hanging out and catching up and talking about stuff. And you know, and I think that the just you know talking about the business of, of what we do and everything was uh, was really interesting. There, uh, there were no no, no, no jerks on site. Leave the name, number, and Uh-oh. brief. Hold, hold on. I'll be more than happy to get back to you uh, as soon as I can. Let me hang I up on him. Sorry, day. John Dawson had fallen off. By the way, go ahead, Mita. I was just saying, I I didn't bump into a jerk. You know, usually there's somebody out there who's a pain in the butt, making a jerk out of himself. Uh, no jerks. Uh, and uh, I mean, I I I was a judge, so I got to taste underneath everything. But my understanding is is that the rest of the gang didn't really get to taste a lot of food. And that's the ongoing problem with any barbecue competition. People who come to view it and spectate really just don't get to taste a lot. And it would sure be nice if somebody could figure a way to get that solved um, so that uh, uh, the public could enjoy and learn more. Uh, that would be you know, not just this event but any barbecue event. Uh, John, you there? John Dawson. I'm here, buddy. All right. A favorite non-barbecue event of the weekend? Favorite non-barbecue event of the weekend? Yeah. I would have to say, and that's a really tough one, both <laughs> both tours are great, and I'm going to have to go with the Kings for tour. You like a little that? more hands-on, yeah. a little more down-to-earth. I just dug it. All right. Um, thoughts? I don't know how familiar we are with the judging system, um, so maybe we'll let that uh, one go because we've got a couple minutes left here for the segment. Um, thoughts about next year, things that you would like to see improved, uh, if anything. Um, things might build a little bit more value or a little bit more uh, uh, FaceTime or, or whatever you want to call it to this event. Uh, suggestions you would make to Kingsford or Kern if they were asking you, and uh, we'll go to Derek Ridges. Oh, great. Put me on the spot. There you go. Um, you you hated it the most. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I hated it. I know. Just no kidding. point did I say I hated it. Just kidding. Um, I, well, you know, one thing I would love to see is not a, not a giant film crew um, roaming around, uh, constantly running up and saying, don't walk here and be quiet. And I got really tired of the uh, you're making too much noise thing. Um. Uh, I would, you know, I know it's a Kingsford event and they wanted to hold it near their facility. Like I was saying before, I think that making it a little bit more mobile, wandering it around a little bit, um, might be a good idea. Um, you know, as we've pointed out, the odds that the weather's going to be as good next year as it was this year. Um, cause I was standing in the Missouri rain on Sunday when it came in, um, uh, and on that, you know, I, I think for one thing, they're going to have to kind of uh, change a little bit about, you know, who, who's let in, um, because I don't believe that pitmasters will have kind of a champion next year. And so, um, I don't know, I, I would kind of ex- maybe expand the number of teams a little bit, go to 10 or 12, because there are some really good competitions out there that really aren't being addressed. Um, like the pig jig was just this last weekend as well, and that's a great competition. All right, uh, John Dawson, things that you uh, would recommend can take under consideration. Well, it's interesting you ask because I had this conversation with a, a few of the Kingsford and current folks, and, and I think they realize where, where the weak spots are. And for me, it would be the venue. 
not that it wasn't great to be there next to a Kingsford facility like Derek just alluded to, but I think that, you know, we spent a lot of time on a bus that could have been better used doing other things. And the other thing I would say is involve us, the guests, a little more and maybe do a little mini side one-bite challenge competition or something to keep us busy. Um, aside from that, I was really happy with the with the event. And, you know, the film crew, it kind of just is what it is, and you got to deal with it in the wind. You can't control that. But I would just say the venue and a little more hands-on for the people that are, are not competing. So, uh, Robin, things that you would suggest to Kingsford if they asked? You know, kind of building on what Meat had said, I mean, I actually did eat a lot of barbecue, but, but you know, maybe they could do something kind of like the version of a, a people's choice where all the people who are not competing actually get to kind of give their input on, um, you know, some of the barbecue and kind of add, like, you know, another element of the judging process. I'd also like to learn more about the judging, you know, because all I saw was Melissa coming in and winning, you know, pretty much the whole thing. But, you know, Meat had said it was really close, but how close was it? And I think it would be interesting to learn a little bit more about the teams, you know, what their specialties are, um, you know, before going into it. And that's probably just me needing to do more research. Um, you know, before the event, but but yeah, I, I think getting the crowd a little more involved some way would make it, um, you know, just somehow a little bit more uh, exciting for all parties involved. All right, and uh, last word goes to Meathead. Uh, you guys complained about the TV crew. Uh, I was <laughs> locked in a tent with the judges, a producer, <laughs> two cameramen. And the producer kept saying, you know, cueing us. We couldn't, we couldn't have a conversation. We had agreed in the bus on the way out. We were going to discuss all the uh, entries. And uh, we couldn't do that because the producer kept telling us, one person must talk at a time. Um, you can't say number one was too smoky. You had to point at number one and say, this one is too smoky, and I couldn't always see which one they are pointing at. I don't know why we couldn't say number one. That just So the TV thing just really interfered with the judging, and there's 50 grand on the line. Um, it probably had no out influence on the outcome, but it, it could have been um, more um, user-friendly. Um, uh, also, the uh, trays um, of food sat around far too long, um, some of them were getting a little uh, room tempy, and uh, it would be nice to get an alto sham or some sort of a holding case, so that when the um, uh, the boxes come in, uh, they can be uh, held warm. Uh, this issue of uh, whole hog and shoulder on the table at the same time that needs to be worked out, so that we don't know we don't get we don't get clues. A judge will use all the information available to him. We all know Melissa is a hog cooker. Um, we all made the assumption, which turned out to be correct, that the whole hog was Melissa's. Uh, that means it wasn't really a blind judging in that category. Um, hopefully we were non-biased, but <coughs> we'll never know. And then the uh, uh, other uh, thing, I've heard some people suggest uh, a people's choice. I think that's a great idea, especially for the one-bite challenge. Uh, that would have been a great thing to do. Um, uh, uh, and uh, that you know that that would maybe solve that issue. All right. So I want to thank my panel members. Uh, Chris Grove first. He had technical difficulty and actually couldn't participate, but uh, he was willing to jump in. Uh, Meathead Goldwyn runs AmazingRibs.com, the most heavily trafficked barbecue and grilling website in the world. 
Robin Lindars writes grillgirl.com. Derek Riches, bbq.about.com. And John Dawson, patiodaddiobbq.com. Gang, I just want to say it was a pleasure getting to meet all of you in person and then obviously getting to know you a little bit more on a personal level through the course of those couple days. Uh, I certainly appreciate it, and uh, hopefully I didn't offend anybody. Tater patch. Tater patch. All right, guys. Tater uh, patch. Thanks for am coming out. Am I hanging out. out for another segment, or am I done? You're done, Meathead. We'll get together next okay. month. All right. There's, We're going to uh, talk about charcoal sometime in the near future, folks. You got and it. We have, we have pictures of the charcoal factory. That should be a lot of fun. It's going to be great. Thanks for uh, coming on, everybody. Certainly appreciate it. That went uh, a little longer than I thought. See, you gauge for one thing, and it's uh, something else altogether. All right. Um, hopefully you enjoyed the postmortem of the KCBS invitation so here's the problem in just a couple weeks really in just a couple weeks we're going to have this christmas or maybe you celebrate uh you know any one of the number of other holidays that are out there you're going to be needing to make a cash expenditure or a credit card expenditure on some type of jewelry never fear i have you all hooked up and twice on sunday all you have to do is visit stephendefranco.com. Now, look, you sit here and you laugh at me and you go, ah, Rappy, Steve DeFranco, blah, blah, blah. Let me have you know that on no less than 10 or 20 times did I have people come up to me over the course of the weekend and talk about Steve DeFranco Jewelers. Something's working. stephendefranco.com, you look at exactly what he has to offer whether it be a diamond ring, whether it be a watch. Steve's actually going to be in the house next week, live in studio. We're going to be talking about some of uh, the new promotions he's going to have in the store. More barbecue-related, but definitely some store promotions for you guys to take advantage of. So you peruse exactly what's happening on his website. Then you call 440-943-2700. That's 440-943-2700. And then you ask for Steve. If he doesn't pick up the phone, say, I want to talk to Steve. Tell him who you are. Tell them you're Centralite. Tell them you love the show. You listen. You hear me talk about it all the time. And you want the barbecue or brother hookup. Now, Steve isn't like the general manager. Steve owns the place. So you're not dealing with some schlep that's going to run you some type of card discount that's really BS. The dollars will fall off in a meticulous fashion. It's going to be seismic and gargantuan. I promise you that. Plus, everything that you buy is shipped to you free. So if you don't live in Cleveland, no big deal. You're not losing any money on gas. You don't have to drive all the way over from Hell's Half Anchor to take advantage of these savings. You can save and get it shipped to you for free. If you do the watch thing, you get free batteries for life. You get the free watch care service plan. He'll polish it. He'll wind it. He'll set the time for you. Send it over to wherever you are in the country or the world properly. And if you ever have any questions after the fact, you just give him a call. He's just like everybody else that is uh, partnering here with the show. Help after the sale, key numero uno. Stephen DeFranco, D-I-F-R-A-N-C-O, stephendefranco.com, and then call 440-943-2700, 440-943-2700. As for Steve, he will take care of the rest. It's absolutely fabulous. All right, we'll wrap up the first hour, and then we'll point to the second. Stick around. We'll be right back. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue, it's the Barbecue Central Show.
Who would have thought this music thing was going to go this far? I never asked for this. I never asked for this fast living. The women, the whiskey, craziness. There's whiskey in my soul. Down that open highway, finger in the air, cause I do things my way. The next town's where I call home. Am I do I have a little blue tint tonight? Blue tint? What the hell? I don't know. Look, whether you, whether you get me in flesh color or, or whether you get me in blue tint, uh, it's not helping anything. I think we can all agree on that. All right, thanks again to Chris Grove. Thanks again to John Dawson. Thanks again to Derek Riches, Robin Lindars, and Meathead. Fun fact, Meathead took to task a number of people that was asking what his name was. Uh, especially, um, especially because, uh, when was it? Uh, dinner at the, was it the farmhouse or whatever it was called? What's your name? Meathead. No, what you Meathead. I thought at two particular points that evening, things were going to be coming to blows. I'm not even kidding. Don't ever call him whatever his real name is, which I don't know, but I might have accidentally said right at the top of the first segment. <laughs> uh, Kingsford Invitational Postmortem. Look, if you ever miss any part of the show, don't worry about it. Maybe you're just tuning in right now and you're wondering what everybody's talking about here on the chat, uh, A, you can watch the show, OutdoorCookingChannel.com, at any point uh, on Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Uh, but you can also get the replay of the show. Uh, podcasts are posted, audio podcasts are posted by 7 a.m. the next morning. And uh, typically we can turn around uh, the video either on my site, typically by lunchtime the next day, uh, always uploaded to YouTube by 1 or 2 a.m. in the morning. So if you need to get that instant replay, that's going to be the best way to do it. All right, we'll step away. I'm going to refuel my cocktail, and then we will head into the second hour for second takes. Also, Yazoo's Delta Q. Also, John Marcus, you're listening to the Barbie Central Radio Show right here on the Barbie Central Radio Networks. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Fine, how's it going? You have a great show, I'm a big fan. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish, what? We ate 54 wieners. I'm listening to Laverne, it's a beast. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> you could use it to fight off creeping marauders looking to take your steaks off your grills. I just like being anywhere with Junior, Senior, and Diva. Oh, for the whole world, it's like a movie. 
Keep it hot, keep it clean, keep it lubricated. We have top men working on it right now. Ooh, top men. All right, we're to the second hour. Let me see if I can figure this out real quick. What did I do? Uh, did I do that? Shit. Boom. Oh, no. Blue. if I can uh, uh, lessen the blue, if you will. Mm. I'm going to have to leave it like this for now. I'll work on it. What can I tell you? All right. Thanks again to the uh, Kingsford Invitational Roundtable. Um, some other people that I did want to mention that I got to meet uh, that actually uh, chose to spend time with me uh, on their own, by the way. Uh, Pitmaster of Big Bob Gibson's, Chris Lilly, who I guess was kind of like the acting host uh, all weekend when he wasn't actually hosting or being the host of the Kingsford Invitational uh, TV side of things. Tuffy Stone was absolutely as advertised, probably nicer in person than he actually is on the phone, if that's even possible. Uh, Harry Sue was absolutely fantastic. Um and I was working on Harry to get his uh, fiance on the show, who is uh, Donna Fong, who is the pitmaster of Butcher's Daughters Barbecue. You recall that little fiasco that we had a couple months ago, but Harry says she's uh, working on to come in. Also, um, Brad Orison and his dad, Craig Orison, absolutely crazy. As a matter of fact, I just got an email from Brad that he's going to be slated on the show here sooner than later, so we'll, uh, we'll talk to him about uh, the shed and sauces and all that stuff. Um, trying to think of uh, who else uh, met uh, and hung out with uh, Grilling with Rich. You know, there was a lot, a lot of people that I didn't know that weren't like barbecue related, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, I didn't really hang around with them too much, um, but I did uh, like uh, talking to uh, my man from Grilling 24-7, and his name escapes me uh, right at the moment. A Bachelor guy was there. Um, that's worth a follow on Twitter. So, you know, number of people that uh, really just had a great time getting to know, and it's uh, one of those... Um, I don't know. I'm going to call it like a once-in-a-lifetime, but, you know, what can I tell you? Um, where else? Who else was I uh, talking with quite a bit? Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Well, I mean, you know, more or less, you know, kind of had a, like a, a crew. Uh, but the teams especially. So, you know, all of Motley Q crew was absolutely fabulous. Because uh, you know me, man. I'm, I just like muscled up and went right into their camps. Like they know me. They don't know me. Um, Motley Crew guys were awesome. Um, Justin McGlawn, um, his wife, uh, and their teammates were absolutely fabulous from Lucky's Q. A pigskin barbecue was uh, absolutely awesome. 
uh, Scott Nelson, his kids. I mean, they had five people there, his three uh, three sons, and they actually have two daughters. Uh, gave me this nice little uh, pigskin barbecue bracelet that I wear in honor of uh, pigskin barbecue. Working like a fine-oiled machine to see, you know, really like little, not not little kids like infants, but that was a long drive for them. Uh, Johnny Trigg. Um, well, ooh, well, that's a tough one. Wondering if I need to recount that story. Do I need to recount that story? Sure, why not? I said I would do it. I'd give you the best story that happened. So when we got there, you know, I went around. I saw Smoker's Purgatory, um, Doug Casson and, and all those guys. Um, I, I initially introduced myself to uh, Yazoo's Delta Q, although that was almost an, an uh-oh moment as well. Um, got Motley Q, got uh, Lucky's Q, got pigskin barbecue and then i went and uh, introduced <clears throat> attempted to introduce myself to johnny trigg you know big draw tv won a lot kind of a, really a living legend uh, inducted into the barbecue hall of fame if you will been on the show twice uh, not this year as i had said in uh, right up front there in the beginning of the show so he went, did a turn in, and he was coming back. I was like, well, here's a chance for me to snag him, just say a quick hi, let him know I'm here. And uh, stopped him, said, uh, hey, uh, Johnny, Greg Rempe, Barbecue Central Radio Show. And he said, uh, hi. And I said, um, uh, or I said, hey, Johnny, Greg Rempe. And he said, hey. I said, Barbecue Central Radio Show. He said, okay. I said, uh, you've, you've uh, been on the show a couple times. He said, uh, I have. Uh-oh. I said, uh, you're Johnny Trigg, right? Uh-oh. And he said, yeah. And I said, is there another Johnny Trigg that does this? And he said, no, I'm the only one. And then he kind of bumped me aside and said, I got to go do something. And much to the delight of Chris Grove and John Dawson, who are just yucking it up. And Chris Grove actually got a picture, and the picture <laughs> doesn't do the story justice because the picture looks like, you know, we're old-time pals and buddies. Uh, meanwhile, it was just after he told me he had no idea who the fuck I was. And right before he nudged me out of the way uh, to go whatever he had to get done that was a lot more important, uh, breathing probably ranks right up there on that list as well. So, look. No matter who you think you are, no matter who you think should know you for whatever reason, uh, never think for a second that you are even as important as you think that you are because really you're not. So, uh, And I am in no way saying that uh, people should know me, not at all. Um, but I guess I thought if you've been on the show and then I tell you and then it, it would kind of jog, but not the case. So... Uh, there's been a new saying, if you go and introduce yourself to somebody that you know that you know and they should know you and they don't, uh, ladies and gentlemen, for your consideration, you say this, oh, you've been trigged. hey You've been trigged. All right, uh, quickly survey Tuesday questions again. Question one, who would you most like to hear on the show? Email me that. Uh, or put it on my Facebook. Who would you most like to hear on the show that hasn't ever been on before? Maybe you would like to hear again. Question number two. How will you be cooking your Thanksgiving turkey? 
Or maybe you're not having turkey. I believe ours is uh, oven. Question number three, what's your favorite Thanksgiving side dish? Hands down for me, it's crunchy but moist on the inside dressing. Love it. With some gravy. Oh, God, so good. Uh, programming note on the show next week. Maybe you've heard of him. We're going to be talking a lot of Thanksgiving with him, Stephen Reichlin. Two segments. Steve DeFranco will sit in. Uh, potentially the guys from Mantree are going to be talking about their unique product. Uh, we'll also see how the KCBS points shake out after a two-week swing in Georgia. Uh, last week, also this coming week uh, in Georgia as well. A uh, lot more so to be sure to tune in next week. I wanted to get to this last week, but I didn't have it. But here it is for your uh, for your consideration. Let me uh, let me get over there. Hold on, this thing just goes like crazy. You're going to really enjoy this more than anything else. This is what we were talking about last week. I believe I termed it cannonball fail. I want to make sure I got the setting right here. Uh, uh, come on. Position. We want to make sure we can see this whole thing. Here we go. For your consideration. Now, obviously, they're not uh, from this country. But something very weird happens here. Because I'm going to turn this down a little bit. So they're surveying the area. So basically what you're seeing is this guy is like, oh, this is going to be so cold, right? So we're going to see what's going to happen here in just a second. Um, but here's what I... Motherfucker. What? Fuck the fucking world. And what? my new band is called Siskill. Here we go. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> Uh, I mean, what is it? He knows the F word in English. He knows the F word in English. <laughs> and maybe you shouldn't be. <laughs> maybe you shouldn't be jumping into a uh, frozen lake. Remember, when it's cold out, even if you punch through the top, if you don't get after it quick enough, well, you know. It's going to hurt now. It's going to freeze over, and you're going to land on it, and it's going to hurt your ass. Word to the wise. All right, quickly, uh, as many of you know, uh, I've gotten my mitts on the Gorilla Cooker. It's a pellet-fired cooker. And the first thing I did was go over to Candy Weaver's website, bbqrsdelight.com. That's bbqrsdelight.com. And ordered roughly... uh, 300 pounds of pellets. Why? Because they're widely considered to be the pellet resource when it comes to your wood-fired cooker or your pellet-fired cookers, I mean. But not only that, maybe you don't have a pellet-fired cooker. That's fine. If you have a gas grill, if you have a charcoal grill, maybe you have a uh, charcoal-driven smoker and you don't want to mess with those sticks and chunks, no problem. Here's what you can do. You can buy the one-pound sampler packs of wood or if you want to buy you know, a number of pounds of sampler packs of a similar kind of wood, maybe just like Apple, and you don't want to deviate. That's fine. Then you buy the cast iron pot option that they have on there as well. You load two-thirds of a cup of your flavor wood in there, then you stick it in the grill uh, or the charcoal-driven smoker and let that sweet, succulent smoke take care of the rest. BBQRSDelight.com. Now, here's the best thing. They're made from uh, compression that generates heat, and the heat kills any contaminant that might be in there. So it's very dense. 
It has virtually zero moisture in there, so it's going to burn clean. And it consumes almost all the way down. When I'm cooking in my pellet cooker, I cook like 10 or 12 or 13 cooks in that before I even have to think about bringing out the industrial shop vac and uh, sweeping up all that. Is it sawdust at that point? Does it does it remake sawdust? I mean, just a little bit amount of ash. And it gives you all of that great flavor that you're looking for, and you don't have to now mess with the chips and the chunks. And if you do have a pellet-fired cooker, it's not just 100% flavor wood. It's two-thirds oak, one-third flavor wood, because you need that consistent BTU burn for your cooker, which you're getting with the oak, but you want to have that flavor wood that you're craving. That's why you get one-third of the apple or the cherry or the hickory or whatever. For crying out loud, they even have sassafras and savory herb. We talked about it on the bus at Kingsford Invitational with top men at Kingsford. Smoke a meatloaf. Get some uh, savory herb, pellets from barbecuers to light, and smoke a meatloaf. You'll be amazed. The smoke attracts, leaves a nice ring, and that savory herb adds just that nice right kick in your mouth. BBQRSDelight.com. That's BBQRSDelight.com. We'll be back with the Kingsford Invitational winner right after this. Uh, Yazoo's Delta Cube. Melissa Cooks. Stick around. I'll be right back. Live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Seven seven four four eight zero four three three. Greg at the BBQ Central Show dot com. Those are the uh, two ways to get in touch with the show. Uh oh. Let's try that again. Put that number. In. Otherwise, I'm in trouble. Uh, we'll go to the newsroom as well. Let's see if we can't uh, Hello? grab this. Hey, Melissa, this is Greg. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. Uh, let me give you a proper introduction here. Uh, my first guest in the second hour just wrangled up another big win this year. Most folks know her as the current Memphis in May world champion. We can also now refer to her and the team as grand champion of the inaugural Kingsford event uh, that took place just this past weekend in Bell, Missouri. Let's go ahead and race over the hotline and grab Melissa Cookston of Yazoo's Delta Q. All right, Melissa, so a big weekend. For those who don't know how you qualified for this event, can you kind of refresh us as to how Yazoo's makes it in? Yeah, um, our qualifier came at Memphis in May, which um, is a completely different kind of cooking than the one we did this weekend, but it's considered the world championship of Memphis-style cooking. So there were seven other events that were qualifiers as well. And for those who don't know, uh, Lenexa, Sam's Club Final, 
American Royal Open, Houston Livestock and Rodeo, Barbecue Pitmaster Season 3, and the Jack. Uh, so there were really only... I'd say two events that I see on here, Melissa, maybe you'd uh, disagree, that aren't typically considered to be a a KCBS-type event, Houston and then, of course, Memphis in May. Uh, They don't typically fall under that umbrella. So from a team's perspective, when you see who you're going to be going up against and you know up front that this is not going to be a KCBS-judged event, do you take that into consideration and adjust any kind of recipe? Does the style of cooking versus the other teams already lend itself to that? How do you prep for this kind of thing? You know, I, I really didn't. Um, I have, you know, my style of cooking, which is what I've been doing, and um, I really didn't adjust anything. I just cooked what I normally cook at a Kansas City contest with the exception of whole hog. So one of the things that I typically hear from a lot of the KCBS cooks is this, I don't know if it's a notion or, or they're just bitching, or maybe they know something about uh, hitting the right table. So you know who the judges are going to be here at the Kingsford Invitational. Uh, there was only going to be one table. Did you guys as a team see that as a good thing, or because of who was on the panel, did you possibly see that as a potential issue that you might have to overcome? I did not know the panel um, until I got to the contest. Oh. So... Yeah, <laughs> so it's hard to prepare for something you don't know. Was that something um, that they they were holding back from you on purpose then? You know, I I, I never asked who the judges were going to be. Um, I think I probably kind of assumed that they would be Kansas City-style judges. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't know um, and didn't ask the question. All right, so after you found out, did you did you think it was more of a load on KCBS, or did you think that even though you know you could say a, a decent amount of them were either KCBS judges or cook on the circuit, that be, due to region, you would still get a little diversity in the palate? Yeah, you know, um, my concern was definitely with the whole hog. You know, I didn't know, I mean, I knew, you know, a couple of those guys had experience with that, but, you know, it, I was really worried that, the bulk or, or at least a few of the judges had no experience judging whole hogs. So um, that was my main concern. Melissa Cook's in from Yazoo's Delta Q joining me here on the show. Uh, after you guys load in, you get camp set up. The focus turns to that one-bite challenge that took place on Friday evening. If you could kind of tell us about those rules and what was at stake for each team. Yeah, the one-bite challenge, um, you could only use five ingredients uh, to create the best bite. Um, that's really, really difficult to do. You know, I make a lot of sauces, and shoot, the sauces have five ingredients in those. So, um, you know, it was very difficult to come up with something with that few ingredients. Was this something that was given to you guys in advance, or did they just give you a a list to choose from on site, and then you had to decipher a recipe from there? Uh, They told us beforehand that, and and actually had asked for a recipe before we got there. So um, I already knew what I was doing. All right, so you win the event with that recipe. Uh, most of the judges I was able to talk to said it was by far their favorite one bite when compared to some of the other ones. Uh, the next day is for big money. You get a $5,000 check for the and an extra point to uh, that would go to the final tally the next day. Did you like the check best that night, or did you like the fact that you were getting that uh, overall point added to the score for the next day? Yeah, definitely the check. I, I really did not think that one point would come into play the way the scoring was, was done. Um, I, I didn't think it came down to one point, so I was definitely 
way more interested in the chick. So for the people that are wondering what the winning recipe was, if you could kind of tell us uh, the idea behind it, and is, is this something that I could find at uh, Memphis Barbecue Company? Uh, actually, it's not. I don't have anything on the menu at Memphis Barbecue Company that only has five ingredients. Um, <laughs> basically, I, I just kind of dummied down some grilled shrimp. I got some Gulf shrimp, 21 to 25 counts, um, of course, peeled and, and deveined those. Um, I mixed some jalapenos, chopped those up finely, and mixed those in with some sour cream, put that in um, the center of the shrimp, pulled that together, and wrapped it with bacon. Um, we house-cured our bacon in the restaurant, so I used our house-cured bacon and um, just put some sweet chili sauce over it. Melissa Cookston talking to me about the Kingsford Invitational here. Um, in a general sense, after you get the check and things kind of die down and you kind of realize that when I was talking to you, it was actually me, I was a little worried about that for a second. Um, well, in my defense, maybe you should have said your last name instead of saying, hey, I'm Greg. <laughs> Well, in my def- not in my defense, I shouldn't assume that everybody has actually seen me before, and that yeah, see, I'm you are the to one. Your show. I don't watch it; I listen. That's so. right. And I'm, you didn't have your radio voice on either, so it's it's amazing what a microphone can do uh, when you're not in public and when you are in public. So, <laughs> lessons learned for next time. Uh, so, after you kind of get back from that and, and you come down from the one bite challenge. How does the cook go for you guys overnight for the bigger meats and getting ready to lead into that final day? Yeah, really, I mean, we put our whole hog on um, Friday afternoon, and, you know, really there was nothing else to do until um, early Saturday morning. And, you know, at that at that point, you just kind of go into autopilot mode. Those of us who, you know, have cooked a lot, um, you know, we try not to overthink things or um, do anything different than we normally do. The worst thing I think anyone can do is try something new at a competition. So really, at that point, it just becomes autopilot. You know, I had had some conversations on, I want to say Thursday night, probably when we had gotten in and stayed in St. Louis that night with Chris Lilly and Amy Mills, and we were talking about the competitors that were there, and, you know, there's X amount of KCBS teams, and then you have Melissa, and then you have kind of a wild card and checkered pig who cooks KCBS, but he's also done uh, some Memphis Network competitions as well. They told me that this would probably be an event that if they were, if the teams were going to get out of their comfort zone because it's not a KCBS sanctioned event or an FBA or, or an MBN, that if they did something unique with a flavor, that this would be the time to do it, and it might actually kind of stand out more in a positive way versus a negative way. Uh, that didn't even kind of cross your mind there at all, right? No, it didn't even cross my mind. Good enough. So look. Uh, you're a hot, are you a hot and fast cooker when it comes to the, the, the traditional KCBS stuff like everybody else that was there? You know, I, I typically, my Kansas City speed is about 275 degrees. Um, that's not really considered hot and fast, but it's not as low and slow as I like to cook in the Memphis contest. Overall, the cook went okay for you guys, then? I mean, it was pretty oh, windy, yeah, right? Know, I was happy with, with um, all four boxes that we turned in on Saturday. Um you know, it's pretty much what we do. Um, I think, you know, being consistent and turning in the same products is, is important in competition, and, and that's just what we tried to do, and I think, I think we accomplished that that day. All right, so uh, when we get to awards, and, you know, this was, again, well, let me back up just for a second. And I know you've been on television a couple times before, so you know, maybe it's old hat to you, but how did this experience – 
basically each team having their own producer and the old camera crew and their own sound crew, and then you had people on top of that. Was this kind of a, a more uh, elaborate crew setup than you had seen in, in previous TV iterations? Was it more intrusive, or how did it seem to you guys? Yeah, it, it was pretty typical. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of glad that I had had it, some experience because I think a couple of those guys really got caught up in the camera and the interviews and, and things like that and maybe weren't as, um, you know, paying attention to their cook as, as much as possible. And, and you know, it, it can happen. It can happen very fast. And, and before you know it, you know, you've spent 10 minutes with the camera guy and, you know, you've only got 10 minutes to turn your box in. So, um, I'm, you know, I'm glad for the experience in the past. Melissa Cookson joining me here on the show. Uh, so everybody gets staged into the tent where we're going to start drawing out uh, who's going to end up winning this thing. Uh, chicken, just like in a traditional KCBS-style event, is called first. Uh, Lucky's Q win that off the bat. You said you were you know, happy with your turn-ins overall. Uh, did you have uh, any concerns at all with the chicken? Did you think it was right where it should be? How did that kind of turn out for you? I didn't expect to get any calls. So Ever? No, ever. You know, I, I was hoping for pork, um, but, you know, I, I really, you know, the wild card was how were those judges going to score something they never judged before. So, I, but I really didn't expect to get any calls, no. All right, so here's my point of contention with saying that, uh, and maybe I'm only sticking up for John Wheeler for no good reason, but after the chicken was called, and they only called for the people who didn't know or didn't hear it in the first hour when we were kind of doing a, a, an invitee post-mortem of the whole event with some of uh, some of the other bloggers and stuff. Uh, only the winners were called, so not you didn't really know where you ranked otherwise, so you couldn't kind of keep tally that way. Uh, ribs were next, and I know most of the folks might not have realized uh, that were actually there that not only was the whole hog and overall grand champ at this contest, but the Memphis May winner in ribs was there as well, your teammate, uh, also your business partner, John Wheeler from Natural Born Grillers. Did you not feel pretty confident knowing that your teammate might know a thing or two about competition ribs? Well, um, you know, what, what people don't realize about me is I've won more grand champions with ribs than I've ever won with whole hog. Oh, really? Yeah, so, ah. you know, they can say what they want to about, you know, the ringer or, or whatever, but... Were you hearing you know, some I'm of that? I'm the least arrogant person on the circuit, but, you know, if, if you want to challenge me on ribs, bring it on. Were, were you hearing uh, some people kind of sniping that the, you guys brought in a ringer? Never even thought about it until I heard your show earlier. Oh, really? No. Uh, you know, John. John's my business partner. We've been cooking together on the circuit, um since right before we opened the restaurant last year. He's been wanting to compete some, so, you know, I invited him to come along. Um, you know, we try to do things outside the restaurant, um, you know, as friends, and so um, I never, it never even crossed my mind. All right, so uh, you, you end up winning ribs. Uh, pork is next. You go whole hog, obviously, and you told me during, uh, well, when I kind of stopped by during the morning before everything kind of took off, you were happy with the overnight cook and, and how it went in regards to the hog because the door was open, and that's kind of like a telltale sign. Uh, you win that one, too. Were you as happy with the hog when you turned it is as you were kind of in the morning getting everything prepped up? Oh, yeah, yeah, it was great. It, it was really odd, though. I'd, I've never cooked a whole hog for a blind box. Anytime I've cooked a whole hog, I've expected judges to come by and look at the hog. You know, after we built the box, you can't really tear the hog up. Um, so it was kind of meat overload. Um, you know, I've got Pete and John both just bringing me a whole shoulder, a whole 
you know, side of a belly and, and two whole loins and these big chunks of meat, you know, and, and, and really I was only seconds away, um, from being DQ turning my box in, um, because I just had too much meat to choose from. I don't know that I'll ever do that again. (laughs) (laughs) Was there like even a half a second that you guys considered just doing a shoulder versus whole hog or no way? Well, you know, when we were first invited, um, you know, we thought about it. Um, you know, I kind of figured we would be the only team there doing whole hog. You know, I kind of thought that might be a negative as opposed to a positive. But when it all comes down to it, I mean, there's really nothing better than bacon. And the only way you can get that is by cooking a whole hog. So, um, you know, we have to do that. You know, you just kind of mentioned it, and I was going to ask you, you were probably under the assumption that you were going to be the only one turning in whole hog. So... When they open it, the judges, whether it's blind or not, are probably going to realize who just turned that in. And did you think that they might be judging you a little bit more critically because they, at that point they probably know who it is, and and now there might be a uh, a precedent set as far as how good it should be or how good they think it should be. Yeah, I don't I don't think I really thought much into it about who it was. Um, you know, my question was, are they going to know how to judge this loin against a pork box? Um, a typical pork box, you know, it's a loin um, that's been cooked on a whole hog for 22 hours is going to have a different texture than a money muscle. So, um, you know, that was really my main concern is, is are they going to know if this loin is perfect um, and this ham is perfect as opposed to, you know, just a pork butt box that they're used to seeing. Melissa Cooks and joining me here on the show, yazoosdeltaq.com is the website. And of course, uh, uh, partners with John Wheeler at Memphis Barbecue Company, you know, prior to the brisket, uh, and by the way, you did win pork as well. Um, prior to the brisket, given the two previous wins at that point, you had that point again from the night before from the one bite challenge. Were you guys feeling pretty good heading into brisket, or did you think you kind of caught it in a pan, or what? Yeah, you know, I didn't. I didn't talk to the other two during the awards, but I mean, I I certainly did not think. You know, I was just glad to hear my name called. I certainly was not even thinking about the grand. Now, I don't know if I'm, I'm reaching here or not, but uh, to sit here and say that if I told you that Yazoo's Delta Q was going to walk away with the brisket championship as well for that weekend, um, I, I don't know if odds on you would be the betting favorite because most of the other teams, is you know that's something that they are cooking every single weekend that they are competing where you know in your bigger competitions you're not cooking brisket. And we're not saying that you can't cook a brisket, but – Against the competition, you sweep three of four, you win in brisket as well. Was that like shock of all shocks, or did you feel like you had a really good brisket to turn in that night and you had a little something for them? Well, you know, I felt like I had a good brisket, but I'm competing against brisket guys. So, you know, yeah, it was a big shocker to win brisket. Um, I, I never expected that. I mean, I thought the brisket was good, but I don't even know that I know what a good brisket is, you know, when, <laughs> when you're talking about judging it. So, um you know, yeah, it was a big shock. All right, so we kind of finalize it here. You win four out of five total categories. The one bite the night before, you win uh, pork, you win ribs, you win brisket. $55,000 check, and it's winner take all, so it's not like you know everybody else that showed up got you know 5000 bucks or 6000 bucks or whatever. Uh, they just get to go home. So all good things uh, for you guys, but... Have you been in some real, and you've been in some really big events? You've won a lot of money and you won a lot of titles. What did you and Pete and John think of this 
effort by Kingsford, and do you think it's something that is potentially sustainable, maybe something that could even grow into something bigger? Uh, what did you guys think as you're kind of driving back and collecting your thoughts? Well, first, after they call first place brisket, and I'll be brief. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Um, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my God, how bad do we tank chicken? This is going to be oh. really embarrassing <laughs> when we get three calls, and then we don't win the grand because we tank chicken. You know, how many points could they have taken off the chicken? How bad was the chicken? <laughs> so, at that point, we were still, or I was still not thinking, you know, and, and Pete said later, too, that he, that he was thinking the same thing. You know, how bad do we tank that chicken? Um, you know, driving back, um, of course, they slept most of the way while I drove. Let me get that in there. But, nice. um, <laughs> you know, it, it it feels really good to go uh, um, up against some of those great Kansas City teams um, and say, hey, you know, we didn't do half bad. Um, you know, we we walked in there and and cooked what we took and, and we came out a winner. And... Um, you know, it's it's not always easy to, to go over and cross into different functioning bodies or cook different kinds of meats and, and succeed at it. So, you know, I've always said if you want to call yourself a true professional, you know, get out and do more than one thing. And, um, you know, I was just really happy that, that we could do that, um, you know, and be successful. Melissa Cookston is the pitmaster of Yazoo's Delta Q, also uh, partners with John Wheeler, at the Memphis Barbecue Company. What are you guys up to next, Melissa? Are you pretty much done for the year, or you got something else going on? Yeah, we're really – I've only competed in four contests this year. <laughs> uh, correct. Um, we are opening restaurants, so we're getting ready to open another one in North Carolina in December, um, and then we're opening another one in March. So I am in full restaurant mode. That sounds like a lot of work, if I'm going to be honest. It is, but I tell you, it's it's – it's pretty satisfying when you go into work every day, and I mean it's seven days a week. And at ten forty-five, cars start pulling in the parking lot and standing at the door waiting for you to open. I tell you, that's that's a pretty darn good feeling. I believe you affectionately term them uh, barbecue zombies. <laughs> yeah, they're good to have. Absolutely, it's good for business. It is. It is. Um, we we thank our lucky stars every day. Um, you know that people come in and, and eat our barbecue, and some of them five six days a week. So. Um, we're very humbled by that. Well, uh, Melissa, I wanted to say, A, congratulations. Uh, obviously, that's a, a very big win. Always nice to get invited to something like this and come out on a top, especially given the level of the cook. Uh, but personally, you know, finally getting to meet you and introduce myself to Pete and uh, John Wheeler was an absolute uh, pleasure and honor for me, and you guys were more than hospitable and uh, patient with me uh, for the times that you did spend. Uh, so you know, I always thank you for coming on the show, but to see you in person just uh, made it all worthwhile to me, and uh, thanks so much. Well, thank you, Greg. I appreciate you having me. You got it. Continued success. There she is. Thanks. Melissa Cookston. Yes, who's Delta Q. Memphis Barbecue Company. And, wow, more restaurants to come. I would suggest a small place on the north coast of the shores of Lake Erie for a barbecue restaurant. Cleveland. All right, look, before we get to John Marcus and we talk about the newest season of Barbecue Pitmasters, I want to talk to you quickly about a a good guy, a guy who gave away no less than three year supplies of butcher barbecue pork injection, beef injection, and prom injection to three lucky winners last week right here on this very show. And I'm talking about Dave Bosco from Butcher Barbecue. Look, 
Uh, he's got a complete line of rubs. He's got a complete line of sauces. You have to go check them out. Did I mention the injections? Of course I did. They're winning on the circuit all over the place. Top teams in the industry. And it crosses sanctioning bodies. This just isn't related to one sanctioning body or the other. FBA is using it. KCBS is using it. Uh, Memphis and May is using it. IBCA is using it. Widely successful, widely popular because they use great ingredients, thought, and science is put into it. Plus, you're dealing with a guy who was around this 100% of the time during his regular job, being a butcher, teaching classes, all that great stuff. You go to butcherbbq.com and you look at all of the... I always suggest to people, Rempy, if you're not making your own sauce, whose sauce do you buy? Do you buy uh, Open Pit? Do you buy the craft uh, uh, sauce? No. I buy Dave Bosco's Butcher Barbecue Sweet Competition Sauce. It's absolutely fabulous. I buy six at a time because it goes very cra- uh, very quickly at this house. Um, plus, maybe you haven't tried the injections yet. Maybe you've tried a competitor's and you're not very happy with it or you've seen scores tumble or the neighbors are telling you the product sucks and it didn't used to or you just want to step it up a little bit and you weren't happy with the product that you got, send what you have over to Butcher Barbecue and he'll replace it with the exact amount that you're giving him in replacement with his products. Three pounds of pork injection or two pounds of beef injection or one pound of prime injection. As long as you have a commercially made product, you go to the website, you go to trade-in program, you fill out the slip, you send it off to Dave, he'll measure it. All measurements are final by Dave, and then he'll send you back in replacement Butcher's Barbecue Products, and it's going on right now. It's been going on for months now, and it's one of the most popular promos that he's been doing on this show, but just around the Internet as well. So take advantage of it, especially if you have found that. Eh, maybe the stuff you're using isn't really up to put. You have to throw it out before. Now, just trade it in. Get your money's worth. Butcher Barbecue, Dave Bosca. ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. All right, we'll step away. We'll come back with Emmy Award-winning TV producer, John Marcus. Stick around. We'll be right back. Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. 877-448-0433. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. If you are so inclined to uh, come in tonight. Uh, John, how are you? Good. You got a picture? Oh, there you are. All right, let me uh, let me pop you up here on the newsroom. Uh, let me take it down. Melissa Cookston? Oh, wait. There you are. You're on the uh, green screen in the newsroom, keeping it high profile. All right, John, uh, so welcome into the show. Um, Thank you. Good to be here. Look, here's one of the – I'm going into uh, an area where I I had no idea that I was going to go, but why not? Uh, John, you have at least some background from what I understand in this TV, if we call it that. Uh, So I was out at the Kingsford uh, Invitational this past weekend as a guest uh, by top men in the industry. And little to my knowledge, they were filming this event. And I have... Oh, yeah, really? I have, really, I'm not kidding. Um, <laughs> were there like cameras there and stuff? Not only cameras, but lights and microphones as well. Wow. It seemed to be uh, a very uh, involved production. 
But here's something that I've realized after seeing TV for roughly one and a half days. Um, people in TV don't like me very much because I have a tendency to just want to do what I want to do because I think I'm a big shot. So that's number one. Secondly, I don't think you're a big shot, Greg. <laughs> thank you that, very much. Is that okay? Yes. That really keeps my feet on the ground and reaching for the stars. But here's the other thing that I found out. I was watching. Way, can I say one more thing to interrupt, though? Go ahead. Everyone involved with barbecue, I would say you're the most fit. Really? Look at you. You're you're like the picture of the perfect body index of fat. You're you're yep. uh, you're cut. You look Ripped. like you really work out a lot. I'm questioning whether you've been involved with barbecue at all. I can say at least for one weekend, people have visual proof of me being somewhere around barbecue and actually eating it. Wow, I'm very impressed because you look fit. Anyway, go ahead. I'm Thank sorry. Thank you. So here's what I've learned. Uh, I'm watching all of these uh, teams out getting ready for their stuff, and I've never been around a TV production like this before, so forgive my uh, my, my greenness to this whole aspect. But um, I'm watching, for instance, Pigskin Barbecue go through this a one-bite challenge, and they're, and they're cooking scallops. And here's this lady off to the side saying, all right, uh, talk about why you like to win. Uh, talk about why you like the white scallops. Talk about why you like the size. Um, uh, look at your wife and, and ask her this. or Talk a little bit more about this. And I'm thinking to myself, John, what the fuck is any reality going on here? This lady is telling me what to say. Uh, right. And if you wanted reality, it would happen organically, which I understand probably means that because these guys travel around so much and they're working so hand in glove, they probably wouldn't say anything. And that would be the worst television ever. Right. Moral of the story is this. I've realized I probably don't want to be on that side of the camera because I don't want some monkey telling me how I need to talk about why I like winning because losing sucks. Right. Well, um, I just want to ask you a couple of questions about your time at that uh, at that television show as it was being made, one I want to ask is, did you see me there anywhere? I looked high and low over that cow pasture, and the answer is nay. Nary, right. nary a John Marcus sighting. I was not invited to have anything to do with that show. What? I, I don't know what to say about that, except that I wouldn't bother a person cooking with those questions. There are other ways that I do a show, which is kind of more organic to how people are working their process at the time. So I haven't seen the show, and I, uh, I, I really uh, do a different style of show. But uh, there are ways that you can make people comfortable without injecting yourself, uh, which is what we uh, have learned over the years uh, on Pitmasters. Now, I, I do have to make sure I'm, I don't want to say playing both sides of the fence, but this, is, this was only um, my evaluation of what was going on. Um, and I was thinking, well, maybe the people that have more TV experience with it aren't, uh, aren't maybe as, as infringed. Or as, This is my gauge. If I feel uncomfortable and I'm not even on the show, right. I can, my, my stomach and, and my ulcers are bleeding for them. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was, there was a TV event, and uh, you were not there. Uh, and it, Not it, invited. 
<laughs> not invited, hence not there. And then, you know, maybe it shows um, uh, uh, like in March or, or something like that, and nobody knows what the name is going to be, but definitely not Barbecue Pitmasters, correct? That, 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 I, yes, I, I, I read about that show like everybody else did. So here's the best news ever, John Marcus. Um, Barbecue Pitmasters is coming out with yet a new season. I believe this is now in this iteration. Uh, it's like uh, ends up being season number like ten if we start all the way back. But season four of Barbecue Pitmasters as we know it present day. Uh, technically, they're calling this season three B. They are not. Yes, sir. It what? is not season four, but it is three B. Okay. And uh, I uh, I didn't name it season three B, but uh, I believe it has something to do with the fiscal year. Um, so there are probably some bean counters over there at Discovery who figured out the best way to categorize the show. But um, the other thing to uh, announce is that because of Hurricane Sandy, mm. there's going to be a delay to the premiere of season 3B. All right, so when was it initially supposed to be unveiled? It was supposed, it was supposed to premiere uh, on November the 17th. All right, so in uh, just a, a few short days. That's right. So what happened with Hurricane Sandy, you know, when you're doing, when you're editing these shows, you have all this accumulated body of material that is on these drives the, where these editors work day and night. And we have some very talented editors working on the show. And um, we had a hurricane and lost power. And all the, the editing equipment shut down. And the show is scheduled so tightly in post-production that it just, whatever days it was shut down are the days it's going to be delayed before it's delivered to the network. So No announced date yet. No announced dating yet. I mean, in your expert opinion, are we looking at perhaps a couple weeks out from the original date, or could it even be more than that? I, I would be guessing, uh, my unofficial guess is it's probably, uh, probably you know, you'd want to get into the Thanksgiving holiday, probably the week after Thanksgiving or so would be my projected date, but uh, I'm just uh, announcing that unofficially from my apartment. Let me ask you this. Um, a, it's great to have the show, and especially for you, it's great to have it picked up. Uh, technically, I think it was picked up uh, or at least made public prior to the actual finale uh, airing last year, uh, which is great. But to me, uh, and, and taking that out of the equation, uh, because I think we can all agree that's great, isn't it like the worst time ever to be putting out a new season of Barbecue Pitmasters? I mean, it's freaking middle of November. I mean, people don't associate this time of the year with barbecue, and a lot of the people that you are reaching target audience-wise uh, have already rolled their cookers and grills into the – they've called it a season, if you will. Um, yes, I agree completely with that. Uh, but <laughs> – I will say that the fact that Destination America is willing to promote barbecue during a cold month, it means that they believe in it, you know, and they really feel that our audience is going to follow us. And, you know, in a way, uh, maybe it's inspiring to be able to sit inside and not have everything shut down and be dormant. And you can turn on your TV and people are barbecuing outdoors. And it kind of gives you something to live through the winter. You know, it's like farmers when they're at and all the crops have been put away and the machinery is all in the barn, they, they like to sit and probably watch the rural farm network and tractor pulls and stuff like that. It's 
Vicarious Thrills. Maybe me, that's you know. I mean, I, I I like watching stuff and seeing it done, uh, and staying away. I stay away from all the adult pay per view channels. Well, uh, once again, we've found a delineator between you and I, John. <laughs> Do you think that's all, you're all season on that? <laughs> all the way, all the way live. Um, is do, do you think that that's why these shows like the Bigfoot show are, are so popular as well? Because there's, I mean, look, we all know the bottom line is this: these guys aren't finding no goddamn Bigfoot, no how, no way. But somehow people are just drawn in every week. I can't figure out if it's because the week that they don't watch is the week they actually you know like shoot and kill one. Or if they like the dude that looks like he's methed out of his mind making loud calls in the middle of the night. I don't understand what the fascination is there. Well, let's put it this way. Um, people have been watching World Federation Wrestling for 50 years. Yeah, but that's uh, good. That's good television. Uh, it's good television. So it's like all that matters really is, uh, is there truthfulness to it? Well, you know, it's great entertainment. And uh, I think... Uh, Listen, I like watching the shows where people go in the house to see ghosts. I'll watch it, and I'll think there's never going to be a ghost. But just in case, you know. And, and, and also, don't you think now that the bar has been upped at NASCAR, that every week people are going to want a fist fight? Yeah, I think that was um, – maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist to a certain degree, but I think that was absolutely put together um, – and that was, you know, that's the lead story coming off of sports when you had all these other great sporting events going on. Uh, and especially in the world of football, that's the thing that leads and everybody's going to YouTube to, to kind of see that replay of. Um, you but, know, it's like, how can we sit there and be shocked that guys <laughs> who drive 180 miles an hour might not have a bit of testosterone in them and may not want to punch another guy in the face? Yeah, Prize it doesn't happen even more than it does. I, I know. You know, I, it's, it's, it's not like that sport was found on uh, gentlemanliness. You Correct. Know what I'm saying? Yeah, we're not hunting for foxes in England. Um, no, no. We're, we're driving really fast, and sooner or later people are going to lose it. And, 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 you know, that's what happened. By the way, I just want to take, like, one little detour with you, Greg, because yeah, that's what on. I love to do with you. Sure. <laughs> I just want you to know that after my last appearance on your show – Yeah. Uh, I called Stephen DeFranco Jewelers really? the next day, and, and I just want to show you this, which is <laughs> I had the most fantastic experience on the phone with Stephen DeFranco, and this is my Stephen DeFranco watch, wow. which I paid for because I don't want free stuff. I'm not allowed to do that. Right. But I, this is my favorite watch, and I think I cook better barbecue with this watch. So I, I just want to tell you, you have a fantastic sponsor, and I'm going to probably call him again another month. I got a great deal. He was so lovely to talk to, and I was also kind of flattered because he knew who I was. Well, so, uh, allow me to pay the flattery forward. I had <laughs> people are probably thinking this is some kind of setup, but this is absolutely not. I'm glad uh, a that you that you called that you had a good experience, and I think I have like the the similar watch, a different uh, color. It, it's, uh, an act, it's an act. It's a Bulova. It's a great retro watch. And you know, Stephen even gave me great advice. He suggested that I do the blue hexagonal nuts on it. Yep, yep. And you know, there's nothing better than having a blue hexagonal nut. So I've heard. And and with the blue piping, he wanted me to get those options. And I said, "Well, you tell me why." And he said, "Because if you get that, other men will covet your watch." Absolutely. And 
And I'm being coveted by men wherever I go. Wow. Even more than normal. Outrageous. Let me tell you, I live in New York City where <laughs> men don't covet much. Right. Except they're... Uh, we go. And I, so I have to tell you, I, I, I love my watch, and, uh, and this is a completely unrehearsed uh, endorsement of that company. Well, Steve is going to be uh, head over heels that you actually uh, took some time out to actually mention uh, the, you know, the, that you like the watch and, and how good of his advice was. So it's just not for me, gang. It's coming from uh, somebody that knows a lot more than me. Completely. And can I tell you one thing, too, about your Johnny Trigg story? I've been listening oh, God. to the show. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I love this man. I understand. This is, this is one of the finest people in barbecue. Um, he's gotten a little famous. You know, he's told me, Ashley, you know, John, I'm known nationwide now. He has said those words to me. And I think, and, and I adore him, and I'll go anywhere to cook with him. But I will tell you this the next time you want to get his attention, if you have a large TV camera with you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I hear you. He will stop and be there for you. It, you just didn't have a camera. <laughs> well, aside from other things, but um, let's try and forget <laughs> about that as quickly as possible. All right, John. So okay. John let's but, but he's one of the finest guys. And, and I, I just uh, last week got back from Houston, Texas, where the USO invited me to round up some pitmasters and cook for 200 wounded warriors outside Reliance Stadium in Houston. And I brought... The people who I think are the finest in barbecue, the greatest cooks, and the greatest personalities, and they're like brothers to me, which is Johnny Trigg and Aaron Franklin and Tuffy Stone yep. and Jamie Gear and Nicole Davenport. We cooked for Wounded Warriors outside Reliance Stadium. It was one of the really most cool. positive barbecue experiences I've had. And then the next night, they took us all to a very high-dollar fundraiser for the USO at the Galveston Country Club. Wow, absolutely we fabulous. Cook for, we cooked for invited guests who, who paid a lot of money to be there and eat the barbecue. And, uh, and just before we got ready to serve, Johnny Trigg came up to me and said, I'm cutting the meat. Uh, <laughs> better, so you're, you're in, pal. You're better, in. Did you say, uh, Johnny, better the meat than the cheese? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> be here all week. All right, John, let's transition back over to the show. Hey, how um, late can we go, Greg? Because I'm yours, man. Let's just keep talking. Um, you have an outdate. You got to have yeah. a. You got to leave here. Here's here's what I uh, I will tell uh, my my offsite guy that runs the video portion of this. Um, uh, the video uh, might leave, but the audio uh, is still up. So uh, I think if I tell Kevin, you know, we're just going to be running long. It's up to him. Uh, but I'm recording all of this, so it'll still be on podcast later uh, later for everybody. I brought in some lighting so that I looked a little better, and, you yeah. know, I was really trying to do it up for you tonight. And somehow, I, for whatever reason, I look a little blue, but that's... You, you, do, you do look just a yeah. little blue tonight, but actually, um, it's very complimentary in your case. Well, thank you very much. It brings out the incredibly dark circles around my eyes from my Mediterranean background. I um, see those circles as you being a sensitive soul. Thank Greg. you. <laughs> thank you very much. Tell your wife I said that. Uh, you can be sure that as soon as I get off here, I'm going to race and wake her up and let her know that. Um, <laughs> when we talk about the new season of the show, um, when we look at last season, a lot of people liked it, especially when you compare it to the season before that. It kind of got back to what people liked about it, and you're seeing some recipes, and you're seeing some technique, and you're hearing people talk a little junk, but you know, not an annoying host. Um, not judges that we didn't really know who the hell they were. We're going to be able to expect more of the same for this season, uh, or how does that structure out? 
you know, I think what this season does is it takes the concept of last season and it actually it focuses it even more because uh, what we're going to do is we travel to specific regions in the United States and we drill down, for want of a better term, to really try to just um, feature the barbecue of that region. So there's a North Carolina contest. There's a, we start off with the big one in Texas, which is a real corker of an episode. And uh, we only are casting people for, that, for, for those six shows from the state, which you mm-hmm. and I discussed last time. Correct. And, you know, it did piss a lot of people off. And uh, as always, I'm happy to receive the ire of all the barbecue community because it comes my way as you know. And um, (laughs) it's nice to see all that featured, all those states, you know? And, like, it had me even asking the question, well, wait a minute, we're going to Georgia. What is Georgia barbecue? And it turns out there is a style down there. There is some specific flavors and stuff. So um, it just refines the show another degree. Whether we do that again, I can't say for sure. All right. You've seen all of the footage, and I mean, are all these shows? Well, you said you were kind of in the in the editing. When you're doing this stuff, are you editing it show by show, or do you kind of get everything in the can and then they're just kind of released on their date? How does that process work? Well, first thing I got to do is give a just give kudos to Lindsay Freed, who is the showrunner and is out there in the field, really um, taking all the heat for getting the show done and also overseeing the the edit. Um, I get cuts once I get a rough cut and a fine cut to give my thoughts. Um, the shows are really done in order. We just find it to be more organized and also just kind of the progression of the production is evident. You know, whenever you start off, it's, it's kind of like, um, it's, it's, it's the F word with goat in front of it. (laughs) We have the goat F, right? Uh, the first shows are really tough to pull off sometimes, uh, Lindsay did a great job this season. So, so we just go, we just go re, uh, region by region. John Marcus joining me here on the show, talking about the new season of Barbecue Pitmasters that will be unveiling soon. Not in, on the seventeenth, but uh, soon enough, it'll be announced here exactly when that uh, comes out. Are, were there any new guidelines, or uh, are there going to be any you know odd challenges that might be kind of thrown back into the mix here? Or are we pretty much staying tried and true? I have learned my lesson, Greg. Yes. Uh, and nobody's going to be cooking eels this season, and I'm sure I'm not going to lose any viewers by making that surprise announcement. This is staying true to barbecue, true to competition barbecue, which is, uh, as Craig or as he wants to be known, meathead. Don't make that mistake. Well, and what a fantastic guy is Craig Golwin. Isn't he a pretty amazing guy? Well, I, you know, he's one of the people that I actually got to meet live and in person, and I think what was gratifying for me, because you know I have Derek Riches on the show all the time, I have Meathead, I have John Dawson, I have Robin Lindars, uh, I have Chris Grove, and and aside from all the other pitmasters that I've had, which is like a completely different story, but for these people, for me to actually meet them in person and realize that hey, these guys are exactly the same on the show as they are in person. Yeah. They're not faking. They're not kowtowing. They're not in anybody's pocket. They're just laying it all out on the line. So it was almost like we were just having a live show, and uh, mm-hmm. to see that, and it was the same thing uh, with the pitmasters. It was, it really kind of uh, reaffirmed that what I'm doing and who I'm talking to, uh, by and large, are, are really just good people in general, and they can cook and and they know how to talk about stuff or evaluate, which is uh, even better. 
I got to say, um, I've gotten to have a couple of meals with uh, Meathead, and uh, uh, one thing I really want the barbecue community out there to know is that we're we're really lucky to have Meathead Golwin, if he goes by the name Golwin. Yes, we're, we're we're lucky to have this guy in our community because he really is someone who has become like a soothsayer. He's become truly like a kind of a. It's like if there was a barbecue Mount Rushmore, that his face ought to be on it. He's gotten everything out there that needs, and he continues to do the work and have the enthusiasm and the energy. I'm a big fan, and you know what? I've never even bought a watch from him. Hey, now you know you're talking uh, big fan uh, type criteria. Um, yes. You know, it was great to, and we've had. I'm just going to recount a little bit of a story. Uh, we were on the way back from. Uh, Bell, Missouri, going to St. Louis, which is uh, kind of a brutal drive on a bus in the middle of nowhere in the dark. And uh, I was sitting next to John Dawson, and across the aisle was Meathead and some other guy. Uh, I think his name was uh, – he writes uh, for Jones is Hungry, or that's his website. <clears throat> and to hear Meathead – I think the guy asked Meathead a question, and then it's almost like you could hear the voice change and the chest kind of came out, and he inhaled real deeply and – all of a sudden, you knew that you had hit like a prime question, and now he's just going to unleash this cornucopia of information. And to me, that was like the best because I've heard that, and we've we've argued before, and we've traded positions. But to have this guy taking all of Craig Goldwyn in a twenty or thirty minute dissertation on what competition barbecue is like compared to regular competition barbecue, and mm-hmm. how this region differs from that was absolutely magical for me. And I didn't even do any of the talking, which is even better for me. Um, but I do think you're right. I think uh, Meathead is an absolute asset to the industry, and uh, we're certainly you know, lucky to, to have him we, we continuing and, to do what I, he does. I want to officially – I want to nickname Meathead another nickname. I want to call him the elephant with the big tusks. The elephant with the big tusks. That's, that's Meathead to me when it comes to barbecue. All right, uh, John Marcus joining me here on the show. Um, in these, is it six episodes that we're going to be seeing this season? Six, yep, six episodes. All right, who, who, who will we be seeing this year? On Oh, my gosh. You know, you're going to be seeing a lot of new faces this year, a lot of new faces, because um, we decided during this season it would, be, uh, it would open things up if we got a little bit outside the world of competition barbecue on occasion, because let's face it, Greg, Competition barbecue has become very homogenous in the last five years. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm very beholden to it. I love what it is. But I'm starting to feel like we're, you know, what, what, what do I say? We're like what happens when cousins get married. What? Awesome? Well, what, it's, it's called consanguinity. It's like everyone's gone to the same two or three classes and is using the same methods. And, you know, I, as I was listening to the show and heard that Harry Sue was using Tang on his chicken. Tang. I, I'm sure he's new with that, but I'm, but I'm thinking, like, uh, are we jumping the shark here with, with competition barbecue? Well, I think that's probably going to be an argument that I had started making roughly maybe a year. or Let me tell you exactly when this started. Uh Barbecue or competition barbecue became more popular. There was more events that started coming out and being sanctioned. Um, 
some prize purses were increasing. I think by and large, John, and you would tend to agree, if you go through and look at the prize purses here still, uh, they're still pretty shitty. Uh, yeah. You know, two grand here, eleven grand here, ten thousand here. I mean, ten thousand dollars sounds like a lot, but that's not what the winner is getting. That's complete total purse payout. So, by and large, I still think the purses are a little light. Um, so, you see teams that are having success, and Ray Lampy started it back in the day with these cooking classes. And all of a sudden you had teams that decided that they were going to give these competition cooking classes in certain areas of the country or multiple times during the course of the year. And people that decided that they were either going to throw their hat in the ring and do it, we're going to take these classes. I'm going to write every goddamn thing down that you do. And next weekend, I'm going to do it exactly like you do it. Right. And uh, time and time again, the pitmaster will tell you that the biggest disconnect is going to be from what I'm telling you than when you go to that weekend and actually try and execute what I told you, which I understand. They're still using the recipes. You're talking about homogenization. Well, of course it is because everybody's using blue hog and smoking guns and you know all this other stuff that everybody knows about. And because the stakes have become so high, and because the expense is eight hundred or nine hundred dollars on a safe estimate to go do a competition, are you going to decide at that point to go outside the box and put some weird flavor profile on it that the judges aren't going to be expecting and screwing yourself out of at least recouping expense to break even? No, and then and then on top of that, you have the other side of the equation, Greg, which is the judges now are drinking the same Kool-Aid, which is what they're cooking with. So in other words, it's like <laughs> this kind of like vicious cycle here of expectation that have nothing to do with real cooking. They, they expect a shellacked look. They expect sweet. They expect a little gooey. And, and, and I just think that in the end, we might really collapse under the weight of that sameness. And it, it's a concern to me. I got to give like a, um, a bit, little bit of kudos to um, Big Papa Smokers, who's uh, sponsored this King of, King of the Smoke, I guess it's called, contest yeah, in King California. Of Smokers, yep. And he's doing what... I've always wanted to do on the show, which is, you know what? Let's do a contest where it's just wood and it's really, there's no bottled mixes and you're all coming from the same meat, which is kind of what we do on our show, but that um, you're all working off the same cooker and there are no tricks. There's no Texas crutch. There's no wrapping. Like there's no, you know, let's, let's see what we're all really made of. And I'm a big proponent of that. And I know there might be listeners out there, Greg, who are hearing me say, well, you're promoting one of the big problems because of your show. Um, we're trying, you know, we're, we're trying to, to make it something that's more pure and authentic. So um, I, I just hope that um, people that are listening can write to the show and, and we'll give it to the executives at Destination America and say, you know, there's a hunger out here for this. Would you like to see a competition that also includes like no sauce, just straight meat? Salt and pepper and garlic powder, maybe onion powder, and that's it. Straight meat and smoke. So yeah, I would love to see that. You know, there a couple months ago in Oakland, there was kind of this uh, initial uh, bare bones. It was called the Bare Bones Barbecue Contest. So similar in concept to what uh, Big Papa Smokers is doing uh, with the King of Smokers. Um, you know, no pellets, no gurus. Um, everybody's going to get the same meat. Everybody's going to have to cook on the same cooker, you know, all this other stuff. Or, or stick burner only. And, you know, I, I wonder, because you see, you know, for 
you know, a number of years, and still to this day, um, you know, the F.E. Cooker is widely considered to be one of the most popular, one of the most successful cookers out there. And yet it, it, it kind of gets all of a sudden smacked around a little bit that, oh, well, no KCBS team of the year has ever been one on a pellet cooker or this or that. But if I think if you go around to a number of teams, they might have a wood burner. But, you know, chances are pretty good that they might have an FE or another pellet cooker in their sure. lineup as well. So I guess where I'm going with this uh, dissertation is this. All of a sudden... Wood burners seem to be like all the rage again. Everybody's trading in their stuff and they're getting a gear pit and they like the sexy, shiny thing or they're getting a pit maker pit, which is completely insane, which I saw down in, uh, uh, in Bell, Missouri, and it's fabulous. But because the teams that are winning right now are using them, leads me to believe if those teams were using pellet cookers right now and winning with them, pellet cookers would still be... You know, a hot thing. We got to get one. Who's going to build the next pellet cooker and all this other stuff? Uh, but because the wood burners seem to be getting uh, the lion's share of at least uh, known teams' victories, that it's like anything else. When we're talking about homogenization, or homogenization, that success is is breeding success, and what you're doing is something that I want to be doing. Right, and and I got to say, I mean, I, I also want to. If you look at the results at the American Royal. I believe five of the top tens were cooking on gear pits, five of the top ten teams, or something thereof. Um, Jamie Gears Pits got a lot of calls at the American Royal. And I think what people are really understanding, that the true flavors of barbecue uh, will pop. They will pop uh, as judges get more sophisticated. But um, it's not the trend yet. We may be a little ahead of the curve right now. And I also got to give a shout-out to Chris Lilly, who is one of my mentors, and what he does with a combination of charcoal and wood is also old school and not to be believed, and he does use a rotisserie, but I think that's really fair, too, in the way of old school barbecue. Rotisserie, can you can still achieve the same flavors, but it is really pure and simple, and it's not steaming the food. It's not, you know, it's not burning really hot. Uh, it's low and slow, pure. That's what Chris does, and I'm a big fan of his cooking as well. All right. Um, before we uh, kind of went off road there, we were talking about the teams uh, that we might be seeing. Um, can you give us some uh, team names that you think uh, people might be interested in or some teams that maybe people don't know about that kind of caught your eye and, and you kind of championed them? Well, um, there's a uh, uh, there's a team uh, in uh, Georgia now. A lot, of, like I said, a lot of these teams this season are restaurant owners. Okay, and, and I would wa- I would show up at the set, and there would be like a stick burner, a stick burner, and then there would be a smoker the size of a barn, <laughs> where the restaurant owner would unbolt their smokers from the floor of the kitchen and wow. haul them over to the site to cook barbecue. It was like. It was really funny and, 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 and a little concerning at some point because you wonder what they're going to be able to do. But I mentioned one team right offhand is a, a guy um, in uh, Georgia, uh, and it was at the Atlanta Barbecue Festival, and he, he goes by the name Holy Smoke Barbecue. And uh, his name uh, is Bear, actually. And he was wonderful, and he cooked wonderful food. Um, and then there's also like um, a guy named Danny Outlaw who cooked in that contest. There's going to be like 70% of the teams you never have heard of this season. And it's really great to introduce new people. What are the regions that we're going to be covering this season? You're going to be seeing Texas 
And you're going to be seeing Georgia, like I said. You're going to be seeing North Carolina. You're going to be seeing Kentucky. Ooh, uh, do I smell a mutton championship coming up? I am <laughs> uh, prevented from disclosing any secrets. <laughs> um, Kentucky widely known for mutton. So you know, when you're out there, uh, do you partake in a mutton sandwich? Is that something that you uh, dig on? Well, in, in, in all fairness, that was the one, sh- one of the shows I could not attend this season. But um, so I can't even tell you what I partook of in, at that particular episode. But I always taste the barbecue whenever I'm at the, con- at the contest. And you know what this means, the fact that we did Kentucky, Greg, it means Ohio is next. Oh, one of the raging barbecue hotbeds. It's up and coming, so I've heard, and, and up and coming for about the last 80 years. But I think... Uh, that contest will probably have to have as one entry Wendy's. <laughs> At a minimum, uh, a number right? four a number four combo meal with a frosty. <laughs> and then, of course, my favorite from Ohio—the thing that I would drive hours and hours to have—Skyline Chili. Yeah, if you, if you don't know anything about Ohio uh, down Cincinnati area, that of course uh, made famous Skyline Chili. Uh, and they do have a couple restaurants up here in Cleveland. Whenever I'm around one, no matter if it's 10 o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock at night, I'm always stopping in for at least uh, no less than five cheese conies. Hold the onions, please. Um, oh, my gosh. Now, let me ask you something, Greg. When you yeah. go into Skylines, you do a three-way or four-way, and you know I'm talking about chili here. Yeah, I, you know what? I just go right for the conies. I don't you mess around with any of the I'm a ways. Big three way. Um, I, I, there's something that struck my fancy with conies uh, right off the bat and uh, something – Oddly weird about uh, the whole the three ways, four way, five way thing. But uh, at some point, I'll probably venture out because everybody loves them. And if you're giving it an endorsement, I might have to try a three way if you like three ways. I would love you to try the three way, Greg. And and uh, you don't even have to tell me how that comes out. But I, I do want to say that um, to those to those listeners who aren't familiar with what we're talking about, this is a chili that is cooked in a way that's very similar to barbecue. It's low and slow. It's cooked over a period of hours. The ground beef is boiled in its own juices for a long time, simmered way down, way down. And then there's mystery spices in there. And if any of your listeners actually knows that secret recipe and they could get it to me, I, I've been experimenting and I can't, I can get close, but I can't get there. It's uh, secretly guarded from what I understand. Well, and they can all reach me at, bar, at BBQ Pitmasters <laughs> on Twitter. That's my big, my big forum is BBQ Pitmasters and I'm, I'm there uh, a lot, and I'd be happy to get any messages from anybody, uh, even if it came to someone just saying, you know, uh, bite me. Bite me. Good. I'll take that. Uh, so we got some nice, uh, widely considered to be barbecue regions, Texas, Georgia, North Carolina, North Carolina, Mecca, um, yeah. and then uh, Kentucky as well, but, uh, you know, well-known for uh, being barbecue the judges are going to be the same this year. You got the Myron Mixon, you got the Tuffy, and you got the Aaron Franklin. Yeah, and and Tuffy Stone, as you said earlier, I have to say is like he's the guy you want in a foxhole with you. He is tried and true. He's a man of his word. He's a he's a very gifted chef and pitmaster, and honest. And he'll tell you what he knows. And and then we have Aaron Fl- Franklin as well from this new mecca of Texas barbecue, Franklin's barbecue in Austin. I've had a couple of meals there. And boy, if you're within nine hours of Austin, I'd get there and wait in line for Franklin's barbecue. And he's also a very knowledgeable guy. 
and shares what he knows, but he keeps it simple. His, I think, I think Aaron's genius comes in, uh, in not just simplicity, but he knows, he knows how to design and build a smoker that does the right thing. And, uh, uh, this is a guy who has the holy grail of what good brisket is. So, uh, and he's a great judge. And it's nice to see like a younger guy on the show who is, uh, you could see him walk around Williamsburg. He's sort of, he, he wouldn't like me calling him a hipster, but he kind of <laughs> looks like a hipster. Yeah, he's got a little bit of a, well, what I've noticed, especially amongst these professional athletes, and I think Aaron Franklin kind of dips into this as far as uh, attire is concerned, is this um, uh, nerd chic thing coming on you saw it in the nba championships you had lebron james and Dwayne Wade wearing these uh, very geeky outfits with those big thick coke bottled rim glasses look i i don't understand it i i don't see the attraction in it i can't believe for one second that those guys could walk down the street if they weren't who they were and pick up chicks and get laid looking like that for one second but for whatever the case may be um that's exactly uh what's in right now and kind of aaron falls into that well, Aaron's, uh, Aaron's married to an incredible woman named Stacy, and uh, she's very much a part of his business. They co-run that business. She's a really very capable, wonderful woman. And uh, so, you know, I mean, I, I'll just say that, you know, Aaron can look the way he looks. But I will say, Greg, you know, one thing you and I really need to discuss is just if you're able to cook a brisket, that makes you a chick magnet. Yeah, I don't think there's uh, any discussion that there's going to be no arguments about that. And, and I, for one, have uh, trouble cooking it. Um, so, you know, that could... it's a tough meat. It's tough. Everyone struggles with it. And uh, uh, boy, that's something that requires more patience than Job. That is really it. That tests your ability to focus and relax. And, you know, I had a guy, I tend to be a fussy pit master. Um, I don't know if it's because I'm, you know, I'm, I've been living in a big city too long, but I get impatient and I have to relax and look. But uh, uh, one of the one of the chief pitmasters from Ubon uh, saw me fussing around my pit at the barbecue block party. You know, they're from Oxford, Mississippi. Yeah, and he saw me fussing and working on wood and trying to fix things. And he put his arm over my shoulder and he said, "Son, <laughs> you got to learn to walk away." <laughs> You ain't going to ever be a barbecue man if you don't walk away. So brisket is one of those things. You've got to really trust in yourself and time. Now, well, we were talking about the judges here just a second ago. Now that they have a season underneath their belt, do you find the, the banner to be uh, back and better than ever? Is it? Uh, did you lose a few steps? How did they kind no, of No, I tell you, I think they're really relaxed into what it is to do this. I think uh, Aaron's really shown himself to be like a stellar TV personality as far as like, you know, Aaron's got a lot of integrity. He, uh, he, he's a guy, he's the only person who's ever been a judge on the show that I've ever worked with who does not wear his logo on his shirt. He's not out to sell anything. He's out to be the best possible cook there is in barbecue. That's all he cares about. And when you go eat at Franklin's, I sound like I'm doing a, a Stephen DeFranco commercial for Franklin's. But when you go eat in Austin, that's who's cutting your brisket when you get to the front of the line. So Aaron's someone who's like brings with him. He's not there to be a show off. He's not there to just be a 
like I said, a huckster or somehow wring every opportunity out of being on TV. He's there because he believes in the art. And Tuffy's the same way. Yeah, uh, I did get the opportunity to meet Tuffy this weekend as well, and he was um, even better than advertised, uh, very conversational. I mean, obviously Tuffy can talk, but uh, very in-depth, very thorough, and a very thoughtful guy as well. So um, that was definitely one of the highlights. I mean, it, it was all a highlight for me considering everybody that I actually got to meet, including uh, Chris Lilly, who he had mentioned a little bit before too. Yeah, so. one of the best, one um, of the best. And um, I just want to say one other thing too, which is like um, – the uh, film that I made where I took Tuffy and I took uh, Johnny Trigg and Nicole and Jamie uh, to Kuwait, uh, as well as Myron, yep. to Kuwait to cook for the troops, um, we've now been in uh, three film festivals and we've won awards with the film. And um, as this progresses, I'm thinking at some point we may make, uh, may make this film available for people. So I'm not, I don't have the plan yet, but... It's something I'd love to share with as many people as possible. That was one of the things that I was going to ask you about here um, as we kind of tie up was the fact that, you know, we, we talked about that Trimedia Film Festival that you were going into at that point um, and then, you know, did very well and subsequently these other two. Um, you were looking to, like, secure funding or, or, or get more money to kind of help you turn it into, like, a, a short, I believe you said it was. Yeah, we got, very, we got some good interest now at a broadcast network, and um, we're going to work that out, hopefully, where we can do a finished version of the film that either can be for broadcast or maybe I can make it available on DVD to people. So that's we're, – we're climbing the mountain, and uh, the film looks great and sounds great. It's wonderful to see it play in front of an audience. And uh, I'm real proud of it. And it's also like a very specific moment in time uh, of, of, of being able to be over there with our young men and women in uniform and give them the food that they crave from their hometowns. And, and I'm, I just continue to believe in the project. So I will let you know where it gets. All right, John, before I let you go, uh, anything else that would be outside of the barbecue world? Are you, uh, are you in the midst of uh, writing any new uh, TV shows that we might be able to see on the network? Uh, anything like that that uh, would be, I guess, uh, for us in the niche, something that we wouldn't associate with uh, John Marcus, aside from, uh, obviously, the well-placed Emmy uh, behind you? Well, I don't know how that got there. Um... Damn cleaning lady. <laughs> <laughs> I figured you're always mentioning it. Why not put it up there? Always. Um, there's a couple of things I'd love to mention. One is it looks like I'm also going to be taking my uh, love of the world of barbecue to another kind of show uh, that uh, we're just in the beginning stages of it, so I can't really talk about it. But it's also another kind of it's another uh, pursuit of passion, uh, and uh, we're hoping to get that launched in about six months. So there's a whole other thing cooking. And then I also want the folks that are listening in around Atlanta, uh, I've co-written a play, a comedy called The Fabulous Lipitones, and it's going to premiere at Theatrical Outfit, which is a theater in downtown Atlanta, a 200-seat theater. It's a great comedy. You can bring the family to it. And March 27th, we begin our previews. Uh, give us an idea of what one could expect uh, when attending this play. Is this like slapstick? Is it uh, witty repartee? It, it's character comedy, and I'll give you the premise of it real quick. Um, it takes place in the world of barbershop harmony. <laughs> As in like four-part? As in four-part harmony. You know, just like in barbecue, barbershop has its own society, which is uh, the so Society for the Preservation of Barbershop Harmony. 
It's about 50,000 strong in America. And um, Mark St. Germain, my co-writer, uh, and I hatched this idea. What would it be like for a, a, a group of men in their 50s who are on the competition circuit and are at the regionals in St. Louis, and they're singing their hearts out for the judges, and uh, during the big finish they have, one of them drops dead of a heart attack. Wow. That's the first minute of the play. Sounds sounds like a laugh. Sounds like a laugh riot. <laughs> well, I'll, t- I'll tell you something. Uh, if you can make a heart attack funny, you're off to the races. Well, I guess we'll know in the first minute if we're bombing or not, right? I will. Uh, and then what happens, the play takes a kind of a, uh, an interesting turn in that they, we find out they win the regionals, even though one of the guys croaks. Uh-oh. They win the regionals. And in the second scene of the play, the, the surviving members, uh, the group is called the Fabulous Lipitones. I think you've and given us. And they're debating as to whether or not they're going to continue because they've won the regionals. If they can just find a fourth, they're going to the finals. Right. So they're arguing about it, and one of the guys is saying, "I don't want the group to continue because I'm really, I really don't care for this music. <laughs> never really cared for you guys that much. What a douche. And the truth is, I've never gotten laid singing barbershop. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> <laughs> It's their feelings, of course. But then one of the guys is on his speakerphone talking to the garage where his Buick is getting repaired. And in the background, we can hear a mechanic singing. Oh. The range of the guy they lost. But the manager of the garage is saying, listen, anyone can sound good underneath a 96 caddy. And they hear him singing Danny Boy. He's really good. So the third scene is they invite him over to audition to be the fourth member, the alto of, this, of the fabulous Lipitones. And the guy shows up in scene three. He's 26 years old, and he's a Sikh from India. Hmm. Well, I think you have uh, laid it out well enough for me to uh, get flown out via private jet to take in the first seating. Uh, so I'll be <laughs> expecting that to happen, no doubt. Um, uh, theater, Greg. So uh, I promise if you come, I'll get you a good seat. Absolutely. Uh, John Mark is joining me here on the show. Um, once we have some definite uh, times on when Barbecue Pitmasters 3B will be released, uh, go ahead and pass them my way. We'll get them out on the show, and, uh, and we wish nothing but good luck on this version. Always good being here with you, Greg. All right, John, take care. There he is, John Marcus. Ooh, Kevin's going to have my butt. Kevin, uh, warning, we're getting ready to uh, dump off here in about two minutes. Uh, A, thanks for sticking with me. Uh, Meathead is going to go back to bed with an even more swollen head than he had. He is the soothsayer, the elephant with the giant giant, giant tusks. Giant tusks? Uh, we go all the way back to the first hour, and I thank my Kingsford Invitational post-mortem panel. Robin Lindars, Grill Girl, John Dawson, Patio Daddio, BBQ. Derek Riches, BBQ.about.com. Meathead, AmazingRibs.com. And we attempted uh, Chris Grove, NibbleMeThis.com. He was still, you know, in the show. Beginning of the second hour around 1014, Melissa Cookston recounted her victory at the Kingsford Invitational Championship. Congratulations to her and 55K. And I love just the straightforward all business. I always appreciate that. Um, 
And then, of course, John Marcus uh, finishing out, um, you know, a good 40 minutes with him uh, after after hours, if you will. All right. Um, if you have raw cast iron, make sure you season it each and every time after you use it. You know, scrape it off after it starts to cool down. Put it some pan, a little crisco, let it bake back in. Give you generations of rust-free service if you use raw cast iron. Season it, please. Also, September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.